everybody. You're used to this by now, right? Although, who knows when you might be listening to this, because we're many hours deep as we come up to session four, the Kane and Rince end of 2019 video gaming shenanigans. My name's Leon. I'm here with Ryan again. Hello. And Ryan is the man who was crazy enough to put this whole shebang together. He said, we'll put on the show right here on the internet. <laughs> it's a big production number, um, like everything we do. But this is kind of like condensed and intense in that it's a week of nonstop podcasts. But also, I'm hoping it should be a real good time to listen to. People like these end of year discussions. I hear them talking about them on, obviously, our friends over at the Computer Game Show have a kind of adversarial thing going on and mm-hmm. they sort of do a, a, a kind of a a knockout competition, which is a, a lot of fun. Giant Bomb have their infamous sessions, which uh, are like this, only again, kind of more adversarial. We're not into that. As you know, listener, we, we don't pitch. I mean, you can't, you know, let's pitch Outer Wilds against FIFA. I mean, what is the point? <laughs> what That doesn't make any sense to anybody. Obviously, Outer Wilds wins, says most of our <laughs> listeners, but not to me. It doesn't because I haven't played it. So I would have to go for FIFA because I have played that and, you know, and so on and so forth. Ludicrous. Let's just celebrate everything we possibly can. That means you, the listener, get even more out of it. And Ryan stays off the uh, meth which is the main reason why he uh, does all this podcast editing. Leon to, gives me all these assignments just to keep me off the streets, keep me out of trouble. And so you keep, know, it's, keep it's me off the crack thing. cocaine. Yeah. We've heard the stories. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> who and what uh, feature in session four? Well, you should know better than anyone. This is uh, this is one that you are hosting. It's good to hear you t- uh, chat about some of the 2019 games that you've played. Um, which oh, point. <laughs> is uh, not um, not games from 2019. Well, <laughs> there's a couple that slipped in under the wire that are not technically 2019 games, but we're we're okay letting those go. <laughs> we can make our own rules up. Absolutely. Yeah, so this is this is yet to be recorded at the time of recording this. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't give too much away, but I think you know it, it, it's fine to say that we're recording this tomorrow. This is uh, yourself, Leah, and James on this one. So a, Correct. a uh, probably a, a nice level headed discussion is what I'm expecting with no shenanigans Shorter. at all. No, sh- no, no, <laughs> no arguments. We may we may have had some on the slack over the years, as it were. But um, this may turn into the uh, James's career memorial podcast. <laughs> yeah. So uh, well, I, I don't know exactly who's played what out of the other two folks, but uh, we've got Apex Legends, which was the it's not people. People don't really seem to be talking about that now. We'll talk about that. Uh, we've got Blood and Truth, which is the PSVR thing. We've got Box VR. Search me. Um, <laughs> we've more in my wheelhouse. We've got Konami actually released some games this year. Well, some old games: the Castlevania and Contra Anniversary Collections, the aforementioned FIFA uh, Fight and Rage, which is really a 2017 game. There's probably also room. I should probably cram a bit of Blazing Chrome in there as well. Absolutely. And also a bit of eFootball Pez 2020 because I've played a bit of that now. We've also got Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, which came to Switch. Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, we got the Pixel Puzzle Collection, another Konami thing, which is again actually from previous year. And one of my favorites, which was the Ninja Saviors Return of the Warriors and a few other bits and bobs as well. Should be a good time. If it wasn't, I guess we just won't release it. <laughs> That's never happened. Only only due to technical issues. All right. Here it comes then. Me and Leah and James for however long it is talking about those games. Oh, 
Hello, everybody, and welcome to your fourth Daily Drop. This is session four of the Cane and Rinse end of 2019 discussions among the contributors, the regular contributors, about the games that came out in 2019 and that they, we, have played. My name is Leon Cox, and joining me in session four, we've got uh, James Carter. Hello. And Leah Haydu. So I had a talk with uh, one of my friend's husbands at a Christmas party that I went to this weekend, and I mentioned that mm-hmm. we were doing something about uh, games of the year. And he says, oh, what's your game of the year? And I said, uh, uh-huh. it's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> we do a lot of games. Um, I mean, everyone, you know, I, I think um, it's not it's not like I've uh, banned everyone from having a favorite. Um, but what we do is uh, what we listeners will be probably used to this by now, but we don't do a a sort of adversarial, this, you know, shoving, uh, I don't know, Outer Wilds up against FIFA or something like that, because really it's absurd. I mean, it's nonsensical. So what we do is we just talk, we just, I mean, thankfully, thanks to Ryan, and you'll have heard me talking to him about this on the intros and outros. Uh, thanks to Ryan, he who put himself up to put all this together and edit it all, uh, we can talk about all the games and give you, the listener, enough content to keep you going until goodness knows when. So over the previous three days, we talked about all kinds of stuff, none of which I've heard yet, some of which you were involved with. Uh, I did uh, day two um, with with a a crew of wonderful folks. So uh, Mm -hmm. I hope that was entertaining and fun. I hear that was fun times. Uh, Oh, and this is James. This is your, this is our only session, right? Yeah. We've, I I mean, I don't know. Um, I I haven't played much stuff that is legitimately from 2019 because I hadn't. And then the lists came out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, not as much as some, but uh, a a significant amount, I think. No, it's always the worry, isn't it? Because like, yeah, I'm playing 2019 games, like in terms of focused play on 2019 games all the way to March, probably April next year. Mm. And in terms of games that I'll then pick up over the forthcoming years, maybe even decades, I could find something 10 years hence that for, oh. from this year that I oh, really love. Sure. You know? 20, 30, 40 years, some yeah. of the stuff <laughs> we, we catch up with for the show. And it does feel like, to me at least, that more and more games come out. I don't know if that's true. I don't know I, I don't know if the numbers back that up. But if you have, especially if you have a multiple, multi, you know, if you have all the formats. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's true for probably a lot of us is that I mean, I have more game consoles than I had when I was 10 years old. And I have less time to play them and more money yep. to buy the games. So that leads to mm. uh, the, the, the backlog, uh, which I, I don't mind, but in some ways is is a little disappointing for me because it's like, well, you know, I would love to be playing Outer Wilds right now. But uh, with the the Kane and Rinse schedule, which is great for um, for giving me kind of a structure to to play things yeah, exactly. that I wanted to play anyway. And also there are other games that are coming out or that just aren't on the schedule that like I want to play anyway. So it just it, it gets uh I, I might be playing something like Death Stranding, which I am playing currently, or I might be playing something from 20 years ago that I yep. just never got around to. It's it's cool. I like I like that. Yes. But yes, it, it can be uh, detrimental to, yeah, catching up. What I will say is, and uh, this, I'm, this is, we're at an interesting point. I am literally today in the middle of putting together the 50 shows for next year. I know what about 40 of them are almost the guys here and the rest of the team don't and you the listener 
probably won't by the time you hear this podcast. But what I will say is there's probably more recent games in next year's volume than there have been in the last few years. It has it has seemed like it's skewed that way a little bit since I've been uh, on the podcast, um, and I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not drawing a line between those two things. <laughs> I don't have anything to do with the choices, no, but um, but yeah, that's that's it does seem like a lot of the things that we generally pick up on have been more recent as time has gone on. Well, I think it's fair to say that most stuff that gets added to traffic lights nowadays, not overwhelmingly so, but is going to be more recent stuff because over. Yeah the years of building up a spreadsheet a lot of the more historical stuff that we've all kind of remembered at some point over the last 10 years um well not quite 10 years but getting on for it um yeah (laughs) pretty close (laughs) you know we've filled in a lot of of that and and some of it is on there and we'd love to cover it and either time or just being able to get a hold of the game and find a functional yeah. way to play it. Yeah. Spoilers for Volume 9, so. literally no one else wants to play Shadow Hearts, and that's disappointing to uh, <laughs> It's all right. There's at least one game on there that isn't necessarily easy to play, but we're going we're gonna to find out a way. We're going to work around. We'll so make yeah. it work. But there are so many considerations, but... Let us look at a clutch of games from the last 12 months or actually slightly less because we're recording in the middle of December. I don't know. Uh, This first game that we're going to talk about was the first one of the first big releases of the year. It came out in February the 4th. Obviously, having said that, we'd already had Resident Evil 2 uh, and possibly some other cool stuff. Which we talked about in session two. (laughs) Nice. But this one was a sort of surprise drop. Respawn Entertainment kept it a closely guarded secret until, boom, there it was on the three current gen formats, excluding the Switch, uh, for understandable reasons, given the nature of the game. I downloaded this as soon as it came out. I thought, this is cool. Uh, I played a ton of Titanfall 1. Not so much of Titanfall 2, but again... Uh, oh, I, I played the campaign, um, didn't play so much of the multiplayer. I, it wasn't that I didn't like it. I just didn't make the time or, or whatever. Um, and so this landed and I downloaded it straight away and then I proceeded to never play it. <laughs> so sounds, um, sounds like this is going to be a James win then because I, yeah. I, I have a lot of time for Respawn, um, but this, yeah. it's just not my kind of game, really. Um, mm. But I did hear a lot of positive things about it. So, James, sell us. Yeah. So, yeah, th- this was like there were rumors that something was happening on like the Friday beforehand. I think EA and, and Respawn had contacted a lot of streamers and brought them out to see the game in the during the development. And the previous week, there'd been some some streamers and, and content creators had gone over Um Some of them were being paid to play this on the week or two after release Mm. um, in order to draw people away from Fortnite and get the crowd interested. Make of that what you will, whether you think paying someone a million dollars to play a game for a couple of days is good value. It's all part of marketing. I mean, if it's me that's getting paid, then yes, I think that's excellent value for your money. Sadly, it was not. I hate streamers and influencers until I am one. <laughs> but yeah, this, this dropped um, very early February. Kind of a surprise. I downloaded it. I played it on Xbox One. I then switched over and played some PS4 as well. So I've kind of done the daft thing and split my progress between two machines. Yeah. But it's notable for me, I think, because not famously, but amongst the Kane Rinse crew, I think it's fairly uh, well known that I tend to consider that I don't play much in the way of multiplayer. I, I fair, I'm fairly kind of open about that. I don't tend to take people up on offers to play things, tend to, you know, not want to schedule my gaming time that way. Sometimes I don't feel like playing a game uh, and that can make life difficult. Whereas with this, it was I found it easy to drop in in a way that I haven't done with an online multiplayer 
shooter, certainly since probably Battlefield Bad Company 2. So we're talking in the realm of 10 years or certainly eight or nine since I last got on with an online shooter to the point where my uh, brother-in-law who is on the development team for Sea of Thieves uh, kind of raised an eyebrow when I said I was playing this because (laughs) the fact I hadn't played any Sea of Thieves was down to not playing online games. So that definitely caused a a note of... that's mean, especially because Darren Gargett would have happily shown you the ropes. (laughs) He certainly would, yeah. Literally. Yes. But for some reason, this captured me. Like we're talking in the intro there, this is set in the Titanfall universe, but is completely separate, really. I kind of get the impression the only reason it's in the Titanfall universe is to explain why some of the guns are literally truly taken from Titanfall was kind of going to be the case, but they've named them the same. They look the same. There's there's some other stuff, but it's kind of tenuous, really, that this exists in the same universe. I just liked how easy it was to drop in in a three-person squad and the fact it does have this ping system that now has been adopted elsewhere where you can just look at something and ping to say that, basically. And you can get more in-depth. There's more granularity than that. You can kind of be specific about a ping that says, I need this ammo or here's that ammo or whatever it might be. But it actually doesn't require you to do a lot of vocal communication through audio chat um, with the, the rest of your teammates. Some people would say, I'm sure if you want to be at the top level, you really need to be speaking to and probably friends with the people that you're playing with to kind of know their play style. Yeah, but also I think that's that a sticking point for a lot of people, me included, is that I don't want to talk to random people on the internet. It's nice that there is an option to not have to do that and still be able to to be mar- at least marginally effective at, at the game that you're playing. That's That's cool universal as well i mean i I was playing with people who were french speaking people who i couldn't tell what language they were speaking certainly some russian players and there was a language barrier there in some cases there there were common phrases and, and words that we could pick up but the ping system will take that into account it tells them i presume in their language what i'm pinging because it's their copy of the game that fires the ping off to them so yeah it that seemed like just a, a wonderful way to circumvent some of the frustrations with playing an online shooter with people you don't know um, and made it very easy for me not to feel like um, even if I wasn't killing the most players, doing the most damage, I could be useful to the team by using my abilities as whichever of the characters I was playing, but also by providing information. If I spot an enemy first, I can let my team know, you know, and it gets frustrating if people aren't being quite so communicative in return. But I felt like in in a way that something like Battlefield allows you, if you're dumping ammo or health packs or whatever, to feel like you are still helping. I think a lot of shooters have found ways around that. But yeah, even with my fairly uh, rudimentary skills as far as uh, Twitch shooters go, I was able to um, win plenty of matches, including I think my first one, I think I'm right in saying. Yes, I was absolutely carried to that victory by two people who knew the game far better than I did at that point. But but yeah, no, it was fantastic fun. I didn't keep up with it because other games got in the way. Life got in the way. But for a good couple of months there at the start of this year, maybe three months, I was neglecting pay- playing other games that I probably would have enjoyed playing quite a bit because I wanted to play as much of this as possible. Any sense of how much time you put in? This is not a prove your credentials thing. It's just a genuine interest. I would say overall probably, oh, I don't know. 
I was about to say about 50 hours between the two platforms, but actually it might be more than that because I was yeah. playing quite a bit of it. It's certainly in the realms of amongst my most played games this mm. year, I would think, even yeah. though it was over a longer period of time than, say, a Death Stranding or something like that. Mm. I know for a lot of people that would be that wouldn't be much, but for me that's kind of that, that's the sort of point where I get to with online games that I really like. That's the kind of level of of hours that I normally end up putting in. So that to me is definitely a commendation. What I would say is that I think, and this is not just about Apex Legends. I understand that they, the developers, the publishers, have to try to keep the captive audience captive. And so they do this. I don't know who did it first, but this, the whole kind of seasons thing, uh, obviously you see it with Fortnite and, and so on and so forth. What I find from my point of view is that once you've, if you are somebody who thinks putting 50 odd hours into an online game is kind of what you're after it f just makes you feel like when you see it's season eight of this game you're like mm, yeah that's i'm done with it. I'm, there's no point in me getting on board at this stage so i'm not sure it's very conducive or welcoming to potential players the thing is though it's free to play correct so yeah. like if you have any interest in it it's again a little bit easier to kind of slip into there and see you know oh sure. may maybe this is too much for me at, at its eighth season but i i think that that was very smart of them if they were going to set it up this way and i don't really know much about the monetization structure of apex legends but it doesn't seem or at least i i should say that i have not heard of it being as obtrusive maybe no. as some other free-to-play type games are yeah i think it's a psychological barrier for me that's I, no i i agree i i i definitely get that but but uh, it just seems like in this case, it is a smarter setup than maybe mm. it could have been. Monetization, James, did you get involved at all? Did you buy a cosmetic thing or two? Yeah, all, all of the monetization is cosmetic stuff. You will earn some of that just as you level up as a character. The, the levels unlock a, a loot box, which there are definitely loot boxes, or at least there were when I was playing it. Apologies if that's not entirely up to date now. It's all cosmetic stuff. There, there are tiers of cosmetics. So obviously, the more you play, the higher the chance of getting the flashy gold tier, you know, extra special looking gun or looking skin. If I can't have an epic hat, I can't play. And, and I, I would also say that just because it's cosmetic is not necessarily a defense about encouraging people to spend money in that way that people think of like pay to win style microtransactions as damaging because you're encouraging people if they want to win to spend money. I think there is obviously an attraction to having really high tier, good looking um, skins and, and weapons when you're playing and otherwise they wouldn't do it and microtransactions like this wouldn't so, be su successful i i would find that stuff very easy to resist i think personally but yeah but not, but not some people wouldn't absolutely and yeah. and definitely with fortnite there have been rumors or, or uh, stories of comments being made about particularly yeah. kids in the school ground who aren't yeah. spending money on the game as having the basic level of gear etc that's been a source of potential for bullying type behavior genuinely remember being at school and having that exact scenario played out for real and i still remember that and i'm 47 now so that's not a cool thing so uh, absolutely do. so just because it's only cosmetic doesn't mean people aren't being forced uh, and socially pressured into yeah. paying money for a game that yeah. is ostensibly free societal issue rather than a gaming issue perhaps i don't know well, yeah but the, i think it's also on developers to recognize that their game design could exacerbate the situation 
situation. I, I, I realise we're going into a kind of whole topical conversation, but then does that mean that it would be better if the game was just, you know, a flat fee to buy and then so either you have it or you don't rather than this sort of... I prefer that setup personally. Yeah. If I get into a free-to-play game and I really enjoy it, then I am more likely to spend money maybe not because I just have to have a, a, a wonderful skin or a, a great hat or whatever, but to monetarily throw support to the developers. I, I am in a position yeah. where I can do that if it's something that I really enjoy, but I, I do, like Leon, you were saying, I, I do kind of have that psychological barrier of, but I don't really want to do this anyway. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Similar for me, I tend to find it quite easy to resist the microtransaction fees. But um, so the other area that is monetized is additional characters. You can earn enough from battle passes to be able to buy the characters, etc. You can earn enough in-game to be able to do that. So they're not monetized absolutely. Does it take a realistic amount of play to unlock things, though? Because that, that was the Street Fighter Five thing for me. It's like there is no way I was going to play it enough to be able to buy stuff. Yes, and, and yeah, if 50 hours of online play is what you expect to put into an online game, you really spend as much time as you possibly can with. Same as with Street Fighter Five. exactly a, a good comparison where if that's what you put on for an hour or two every single night yeah. when you get in from work or school or whatever it is, you will absolutely see the end of the Battle Pass leveling up system. You will absolutely be able to unlock the extra stuff and get all of the credits to be able to buy the next Battle Pass for free or to get the character upgrade or whatever. But the Battle Pass did bring me back in to have a look at. I think there was a lot of criticism, justifiably so, that the Battle Pass rewards weren't great, but you don't have to buy the Battle Pass. There are free tiers um, available for people who are playing it and not paying money. As with a lot of these, if you're doing that, when you do, sp or if rather, if you do choose to spend money, you'll unlock all the stuff up to where you've leveled up to. So it will give you incentive to pay the money, but you don't have to. You can still drop in now with, I think, is it eight? I think it's eight characters. Again, off the top of my head, apologies if I'm, I'm incorrect on that. Um, I think it's eight characters that are for free. So there's plenty there to sink your teeth into, but it is always one of those where it's like it's going to be easy for some people to resist paying extra money and just enjoying the game for what it is. Um, and it's going to be fine for people who play nothing but Apex Legends. For the people who want to drop in and play 50, 100 hours, pick it up every so often and not worry about that, it then comes down to do you want to throw money the developer's way for stuff that is maybe not for the character you prefer to play, maybe not the skin that you like the look of, same as ever. Okay. So before we move on, I just want to briefly talk about here we are almost a year later since it came out, getting on that way. Obviously, just naturally, it's less Apex Legends is far less in the conversation that it was when it first came out. And people were yeah. understandably excited for this pretty, you know, high tier, high quality product from a well-respected studio to just suddenly drop for it to be, you know, a bit of online battle royale fun for those people who'd either bounced off of or got fed up with PUBG or Fortnite or whatever else. Um, didn't cost 60 quid like the, the latest Call of Duty did or whatever. So, um, but here we are now, December 2019. And I, I obviously, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't know what, what it's doing, like what the trends are, whether it's likely to continue, whether it's, they're going to reboot it and repush it in the new year or any any concept so at all? So what I would say is, so initially, it was one of those where people were like, oh, 
is this actually going to dethrone Fortnite? And yeah. no, fairly quickly after release, it became apparent that a lot of people tried it because it was free, a big deal from a, a studio that I certainly have a lot of time for. And and then it tailed and it was stories of, oh, it's not doing so well, etc. And Respawn kind of doubled down on what a lot of people were saying was like the battle pass maybe wasn't up to scratch. People had kind of waited for that and then fallen off when they saw what the battle pass was and the updates weren't coming fast enough. Fortnite, uh, as of last week, I found out, has more than a thousand people working on it. And there have been stories this year that those people can't work fast enough and long enough hours to keep up with demand from the players. That's right. Respawn have actually said that they're anti-burnout, basically. And that means, I think, to be honest, they have probably had to reset their expectations on what that means their player base is going to be. But... As of right now, I fully expect come February, which I think will be a good time just before the slew of 2020 games comes in, I fully expect them to have some kind of event around the anniversary. And as of right now, I haven't played the game in a good few months now. It It is absolutely, if I was looking for an online shooter as opposed to an online street fighter, basically, yeah, yeah. Um it's the game I would pick up. I'd hop back on the PlayStation version or maybe even try the PC version. It's absolutely the one that I would pick up and go back into. And I'd feel like I had a decent shot at having fun with it and not feeling like I would maybe with a Call of Duty that I hadn't leveled up my character and got all the abilities and therefore was behind the curve. That just isn't the case with Apex Legends. So... Mm. As far as I know, still doing well. I still see there's a couple of people on uh, Twitter who play regularly. I still occasionally see people pop up on my friends list as playing the game. But yeah, it's it's not knocking on Fortnite's door like it maybe looked no. like it was going to 10 months ago. Yeah. yeah, I suppose. And this will make me sound like the older person that, that I am. But I, I, I do find the sense of the demands of the audiences for these games completely unreasonable. Like, I get that, uh, you know, the modern world moves fast and all this kind of stuff. But back in my day, we used to buy a, an on, uh, you know, a multiplayer game and then that was it. It was finished and you played it. And one of the things about that was that, yeah, sometimes it might have had flaws or issues or balance, you know, balance problems or whatever, but you kind of, you worked with them and you worked around them. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love it when games that I've got installed come, you know, get a nice update, especially if they've got a bit of actual, actual content and whatever. But this kind of, you know, new stuff every couple of days just seems insane to me like you can't keep up with it I, for, for my, but again i suppose again if you're that player who only plays that one game and turns it on every day you're you're starting to feel like you've seen everything it has to offer every few days so but i mean to me that's just a, a kind of existence that i can't conceptualize <laughs> everything's an mmo in some ways developers probably at the behest of publishers have made some of this rod for their own back in that yeah, they want to give players the game free and they want players to keep playing as much as possible. In some cases, not even giving players the game free in case of Overwatch, for example, mm-hmm. or Call of Duty's Battle Royale. And then they want players to keep paying. And that means players need to see value for that money they are continuing to pay. Whereas you're absolutely right. If this was Bioshock 2's multiplayer, for example, yeah. I had fun with that. It wasn't perfect. And after a few months uh, depending upon different sort of communities coming back to the game, Mm -hmm. I was done with that. And that was far easier to move on potentially to whatever the next game was, or just kind of put it to the side and and not really pay it much heed after that point. Whereas these games purport to be ongoing and staying relevant and staying up to date and being patched, not just with uh, bug fixes, but also with new 
stuff to do all the time and that means that yeah it's it's just a completely different beast now and and it's spread to as as i mentioned uh, call of duty multiplayer now certainly in its battle royale modes that's become that and they're kind of having to negotiate a change in what their multiplayer is because of a game like fortnite all right moving right along this next one is uh, such a a, a, a deep cut. It doesn't even have any Steam reviews, <laughs> user <laughs> reviews. Uh, it's uh, described by Touch Arcade as a narrative dream disguised as a puzzle RPG, and it's called Guildmaster Story. Yeah, so uh, I played, uh, am still, in fact, playing uh, Guildmaster Story. So it is written by uh, Will O'Neill, who is the developer who did uh, Actual Sunlight and Little Red Lie. Right. So that that was kind of what what drew me to it. That and the the fact that it is uh, a, a like a puzzle quest type game uh there's there's yeah. a little it's not quite exactly the same there's there's a little bit um not exactly more to the mechanics but the, the, the mechanics are slightly different than that but um that was that was kind of what got me into it uh i don't play a whole lot of mobile games but i i I was interested in this one for those reasons. And, uh, so, so what the, uh, the basic premise is, is, uh, that you are playing as a sort of as a set of characters. There's, uh, one guy who is, um, extremely clueless and, uh, just self-centered and horrible. And, um, he manages somehow to, uh, summon up this demon who grants him one wish and his wish is to be, you know, successful and powerful and everything. And, um, it, 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 it kind of follows through that. It's, it's a silly story. The story is not really the focus. The writing's pretty good, uh, and has some very surprisingly pointed things to say about development and games and corporate culture and, and all of that, but isn't, especially deep in in that kind of way um it, it's mm -hmm. pretty sharp and pretty funny it has received a number of i guess you wouldn't call them updates they're more like um just extra sets of levels i don't remember how many it started off with um right. you know maybe 30 40 50 uh something like that it's up to mm. um i have not actually finished the latest set of levels but it's up to about 140 um, yep. And they're all just, you know, single puzzle boards. You play the board, then you get a little snippet of, of story or dialogue, and then you mm -hmm. move along and do the next one. Um, so it's, it's, it's neat. It's fun. It's one of those kinds of things where I can, um, just play a couple of levels before bed, uh, and, uh, be, be pretty entertained by it. Some of it's difficult. Some of it is, uh, yeah. And, and that's, I think, where the, it is a free to play. And that's, mm. but that's kind of where the monetization comes in. I haven't found it to be too awful with that. Basically, you have three strikes, uh, that, that will, uh, replenish over time. And if you don't beat a board in the, in the prescribed number of turns or some of them have like a time limit, uh, usually it's a number of turns, but if you, uh, if you fail to do that, then, um, you lose one of those lives, uh, replenish over time, but you can also watch an ad in order to, uh, get more. Oh, you can also, I Who think. Who doesn't like doing that? You, I think that you can also spend money to get more. I've never done that. Um, yeah. but, um, I might actually at some point just to, cause like I said before, you know, I, I, 
if if it's something that I've been enjoying uh, for that amount of time, which I, I have with this, then uh, I'm not averse to putting the money in, not necessarily because I just can't wait to do another set of levels, but because I want to support that developer. So we'll see. Mm. But uh, for now, I have not put any money into it thus far, and uh, I'm having a really good time with it. Worth us mentioning that you can buy it on Steam uh, for a one-time price of £7.19 in, in the UK, I guess, and $8, $9. Mm-hmm. And you get infinite money for that. So the free-to-play mechanics are yeah. stripped out to all intents That's and actually, purposes. Actually, then that might be what I do. Just buy a copy of it on Steam in order to yeah. uh, to, to satisfy my desire to uh, to do that. Due to it being a Will O'Neill game, that was how I came to, to this as well. Yep. Um, and I, I would go a step further. Maybe not the story, but the themes that this game sets up. Like when you hear Will O'Neill made Actual Sunlight is doing a match three mobile game, my I couldn't quite compute that. But as soon as mm-hmm. the story starts, you start you play someone who is fairly lazy, entitled, and inherits a massive amount of well, not money, but inherits a factory essentially from their father, and then because they don't want any of it, they just want the privilege that that status being like that wealthy gives them they blow the whole lot and end up in debt to the bank and that's the the impetus for calling forth this this demon figure to try and to try and figure out how to get this person their status back their wealth back but they don't want to do any work for it whatsoever so they found the guild that is the the titular guild become the guild master and it's basically about how can they trick a bunch of other people into doing all the work for them by creating a guild and making it a game where they give out XP that literally doesn't exist to these people that you're tricking into doing all the hard work for you. And that probably sounds much more like a Will O'Neill game based on what people might be aware of from his past. It's really uh, sinister in some ways. It's all very cutely drawn and it's it's a match three game, so it's all filled with positive reinforcement, but it's all commentary on what a mobile game that you are playing in order to earn credits to keep playing sounds like it might be uh, it really yeah. touched on that stuff for me and i think it was 50 levels initially i played up to 80 maybe with the first few kind of lots of levels that they've unlocked and yeah i agree leah there, there's some levels where it seems like suddenly there's a spike there almost as if it's just to to make sure you fail it yeah so you don't so you don't burn through them too fast yeah the conditions or just the way the board like has a random layout just kicks you in the backside for some reason there have been a couple where it's like well i just gotta keep doing this until i get an, an initial setup that is favorable to actually doing this because i just don't have enough uh don't have enough turns to to do it any other way we covered uh, will o'neill's actual sunlight back in kane and rinse podcast issue 311 if you want to check that one out listeners but our next game for this roundup is another mobile puzzly game this is a nonogram type game also sometimes i've just learned known as griddlers but us video gamers known them know them mainly as picross this was originally released actually outside of i don't know if it was just in japan but it was october 2018 originally us and japan yeah we cheated we cheated because it came out at some point on the uh, european Apple and Android stores. And uh, yeah, it's Pixel Puzzle Collection. It's Konami. They made a game. (laughs) They made a game. Weird. Uh, And it is very much as they have pretty much all they do at the moment. It's uh, wallowing in the nostalgia of vintage 
Konami. Celebrate. Yeah, yeah, celebrate. yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, absolutely. And for me, as a lifelong Konami fan of a certain age, uh, I know who likes a bit of Picross. This was just a, a match made in heaven. Bad matchmaking joke. Wrong kind of puzzle game, <laughs> etc. Um, so you've got uh, puzzles with uh, different kinds of um, criteria, categories based around, and uh, you know, action, shooting, thinking. Different games from Konami's past. You'll see lots of the f- favorites like Track and Field and Parodius and Bomberman and Castlevania, of course. And it plays music from some of those games as you play as well. Tunes from uh, Gradius games and all this kind of stuff. Uh, the my only qualm about it is that when you select a new puzzle and there are a, quite a large number to, to choose from i think you guys have both completed this i i'm still on about 80% um if you get one of the categories it flashes up in no uncertain terms on your mobile screen the caption schoolgirls <laughs> which which if you're sitting on public transport Looks like you're about to uh, do something rather more dubious on your phone than um, uh, work out some <laughs> rudimentary maths to reveal some pixel art. Th- that qualm aside, uh, I just thought this was a fabulous package and, yeah, immeasurably uh, compelling. Yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, I, again, like I say, I, I don't play a whole lot of mobile games, but uh, this is a good year for him for me. I would play one to two puzzles uh, every night and until I got through them. And um, I don't think there's really any, f- maybe you guys can speak to this better, but uh, to my knowledge, this was a free game, but I don't think that I ran into any free to play trappings. Um, it's only the, c- you can buy hints maybe, or no, or is it just on a timer? I didn't actually use the hint system. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. The, uh, the boss puzzles are on a timer. So I don't know, maybe there is, uh, it, it, there is a way to, uh, displace that timer with i think it's all advertising based isn't it and it's just stuff for the other the other things that we're going to go on to talk about the recent konami releases that there are so and it's pretty unobtrusive i would say yeah i absolutely agree so you start off with 10 hints and a hint will just fill a line i think it is um or maybe even one box it will tell you but actually so i thought i found at the very end of the game a puzzle that could not be solved without a hint but I went back through it and had a look at it, and sure enough, no, it, I I vented on <laughs> on Twitter before I'd actually double checked my working. Uh, but I managed to go through it without using any hints. Having so I ha- thought I had to guess one block at one point, but it turns out there was a single block that you knew which way it was. Like yes. you, usually there's multiple avenues, but obviously when you're getting to 15 by 15 puzzles and there's only one block that is kind of the, the bottleneck, if you like, on the puzzle. Yeah. Uh, easy to miss, but that was my mistake. Um, yeah, perfectly possible to solve all. But so the, the timer issue, I thought I was pacing myself relatively well with two or three puzzles whenever I kind of sat down to do that. The boss puzzles unlock and are on a timer. So after you beat a boss puzzle, you have to wait a certain amount of time before you can try another one. Other than that, you can always have three regular puzzles on the go, and you can burn through those really quickly. I think both myself and John ended up having to wait for boss puzzles to unlock in order to get the last kind of 10% of the game. And see, that never happened to me. I ran out of boss puzzles way before I ran out of other puzzles, uh, which mm. I was, I, I guess maybe, I never really, uh, as you say, you can do more than one puzzle at a time, but I never actually did that. So I, maybe that, um, maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Uh, but I only ever really did uh, one until I was done with that one. Yeah, no, I yeah. did that as well. But I think I just thought I was pacing myself better than I was because I 
thought there were way more standard puzzles versus mm. the boss puzzles, but actually there's quite a lot of boss puzzles in there. Definitely, mm. definitely by the end when it got much more difficult, I think that that helped out for me because I wasn't doing as many at one time. It would take me, you know, a longer time to actually get through just one of the regular puzzles. So uh, maybe that was part of it, too. Is it a spoiler to say, Leon, you've not finished this. And I don't want to necessarily say. Oh, what happens at the end? <laughs> you get to 100 percent and think you're done. You're not. Mm. OK. <laughs> um, I can imagine. I think it's fair to so it doesn't unlock loads more puzzles, but it asks you to go back through and do the puzzles without the ability to mark the squares that are maybes. Okay. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah. I, I yeah yeah. I didn't even yeah. try it. I I got to one hundred percent. It's like okay, now do it again. And I'm like, mm, no, I don't think so. Thanks. Yeah, there's a company, uh, the Studio Jupiter is the, is the one that makes all the Picross games for Nintendo, all the various ones, including the free Twilight Princess one they gave away on the, uh, right. the 3DS yeah. eShop a while back. And um, that that's an option in their games as well. So it's, it's kind of standard for Picross maniacs. Um, not for me. <laughs> but anyway, it's still available. It's free. So check it out if you fancy a nice addictive on-the-go puzzler. Next one, this was uh, May time release, I guess. Uh, I got it. I uh, I waited a bit longer. I got it for my birthday from my mum. The least the least mum like <laughs> present I could get. My mum is a uh, late sixties uh, Buddhist, peace loving, and uh, she bought me Mortal Kombat Eleven. For my, my parents, birthday. when I was little, uh, expressly forbid me from playing Mortal Kombat. So that wow. would be a really weird one if they had. You gotten should it for me. show them what Mortal Kombat <laughs> oh, looks <God>. like now. <laughs> I think my dad would think it was funny and my mother would be horrified. Yeah, it is pretty horrific. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, mean, justly so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yes, it, it does rather knock the horror of the early games uh, into a cocktail, which we did cover back on the Cane and Rinse podcast at some point, uh, the, the original Mortal Kombat trilogy. I don't know if we'll ever manage to catch up with all the uh, the various sub, uh, sorry, post Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 3D polygonal fighters because it's been it's a series that's been going a long time now. Now, so this was 11. I skipped 10, having played 9 uh, quite a bit on PS3. 9 was the sort of reboot where they just called it Mortal Kombat. It wasn't called 9. Uh, 10 was the sort of, uh, was it a cross-gen title, 10? Did it I arrive on? Was it only I don't recall. I don't think so. On? Okay. But yes, that, that one's still on Game Pass, um, which is sort of interesting, the fact that they've left that there, even though 11 came out. Because oftentimes, if you, with the like the movie streaming services, if a sequel uh, is coming, they will remove things from the service or they'll put them on there to get you interested. Um, but I, I think with, yeah, with a game, it's sort of interesting because you'd think that someone more, you know, casually interested might go, well, why, why am I going to buy this new $60 game when I can just play the last one, which is the same in my head, you know, whatever for, for, a pound a month or whatever it is. Um, but anyway, Mortal Kombat 11. For the story. Well, yeah. Yeah, right. yes. Which is, uh, yeah, uh, more absurdities. <laughs> I love the story modes in these games. As, yeah, as very, fighting very game very stories go, I still think this is the one that strikes me as as being the this kind of top of the tier, I would say. I mm. also rather liked Tekken 7. Was that last year? Yeah, actually. Or the year you, before or something? If you trace the original release back to the Japanese arcades it's about five years old well sure but yes. sure 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 but yeah 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 when I would have actually played it yes <laughs> yeah yeah still a while ago my mum got me that one as well I think weirdly <laughs> did she know what she's doing <laughs> she just wants me to fight on video games instead of in real life which is All right, you know, not, fair. not particularly likely what I wanted to say about this game uh, yeah the story mode's kind of well storied and fated uh, but the thing that 
I've spent by far the most time on on this one is the the crypt. Is that what it's called in this one? The, which is basically like a single player third person dungeon crawler with stuff in it like there's so much in there to do that i've ended up playing that for about eight or nine hours and not the fighting game that that seems neat i i haven't played it myself yet um although i i plan to but uh, i have seen some video of the the that whole crypt situation yeah um and, and it, it looks cool like you you go around and get like chests and yep. uh, there are events that will unlock other things and mm -hmm. um i can see where it might get frustrating sometimes Full because bun. it looks like the loot is kind of random if you are using it to get stuff for your actual oh, fighting game okay. characters um but it's a neat idea and not something that i think i've really seen to that extent in there was a crypt i think in 10 uh which i did play yeah, but didn't spend a ton of time of last few yeah mm. um but not really quite this detailed and uh and yeah. full of stuff so james have you also ventured into the vault of mortal kombat 11 yeah in fact it was one of the first places i went to just to start unlocking right. some stuff and i ground my way through i think everything in the vault not everything everything in terms of everything open but i managed to unlock all the relevant chests and do all the little sort of story sequences that are in there i want to say before i'd even started the campaign because i was playing something else at the time and i thought vault would be a nice way to kind of yeah. break that up diving full on into the story mode of um mk11 so yeah yeah and how did you find the general suite and package that is MK11? You were a player of the last, the previous couple as well? Uh, yes, but only story modes. It's more oh, Injustice 2 that got me into the fold with um, actually playing the fighting bit of these Nether games. Realm systems. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm more in MK for the story and Injustice 2 I tend to go to a little bit more for the actual... Uh, or the Injustice series for a little bit more for the fighting, just cause a couple of things make a bit more sense to me right. in in that game. Um, and also, actually, I have to say, increasingly, it's sort of iteration on iteration, and Eleven was no exception. Mortal Kombat really is pushing the envelope on how far it can go to kind of throw gore at players and uh, generally sort of push the bounds of what constitutes kind of gratuitous violence on screen. I was going to ask you about that because I know yeah. you have a notorious uh, thirst uh, for, uh, you know, the most unpleasant and depraved things that <laughs> human imagination can come up with. Um, Constantly telling, having to tell you to tone it down in the slack. Exactly. Yeah. We've seen the yeah. pictures of your bedroom walls and uh, and your dungeon. And does this does this even, you know, touch the size? Does it come close to sating your, your infamous bloodlust? Uh, it's a bit much, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, like it's it's one of those where I've kind of got used to, especially with the recent since the reboot uh, MK9. I've kind of got used to them going over the top, and then when you think they can't go any further, they go further. Um, but yes. I, I kind of saw where the stories of um, part members of the development team having to take counselling for essentially PTSD after working oh, on this stuff. Really yeah, well. yeah, those stories came out because of time. Of, oh, right, researching, looking at photos. Exactly, of, having yeah. to look at of, literal real yeah, injury, uh, and, uh, injury photos and stuff. Um, in order to get anatomy, it's not like perfect or anything, but in order to get it to the point where it looks believable. Um, and, and I've got, like, once you've seen the same 
cutscene or special move play out multiple times, you do kind of get, I guess, Inured. yeah, a little bit. But <laughs> people around you in the same room as you watching you play it don't necessarily. Oh, you know, it's one of those where there are times video games you kind of have to say, I'd be a bit embarrassed if someone saw me playing this because I kind of understand the context, but they might think it's a bit much. And usually that's not necessarily in terms of the violence, but with MK11, it really is, I think, kind of pushing the, the boat out a bit far, I have to say. And I, I yeah, another reason I tend to slightly prefer the Injustice games to the, mm. the Mortal Kombat games. But I wasn't going to miss out on this story mode because that's where I really feel that Netherrealm excel beyond, I think, anyone else in the fighting game um, genre, really. I suppose the thing is, I was saying before that my pacifist Buddhist yeah, mum yeah. got this for me, which is seems ironic. And I, I do wonder, she's seen me, I've, I've shown her things like Soul Calibur before, and she's been quite impressed with how good it looks and yeah. how, you know, sort of exciting it, it all seems. And, and she, she, I think to some extent, she appreciates sort of what's gone into it. But I, I do wonder if I showed her MK11 Fatality, she might actually regret her purchase. I think she knows by now that I'm 47 and a half years old and I'm probably not going to turn into you know it's not going to have a, a, yeah, a yeah. severely yeah. negative effect on my um my my mental well-being um she's seen me play video games my whole life but I think she might now be surprised by the level of sort of sadism that's involved I do wonder as somebody who I watch these and I'm sort of darkly amused yeah oh yeah there's definitely humor and um it goes and, into the absurd I mean, it's yeah, just it so yeah. much that it, yeah. it, it, I find it difficult to take it seriously to be really yeah. to be genuinely yeah, yeah. offended beyond yeah. maybe like yes. an initial shock do you think there are i, I mean it's almost a rhetorical question but I, I i expect there are a certain audience for this game who are kind of gleefully lapping it up and oh, for you sure know, maybe maybe if i'd seen it when i was you know 9 10 11 12 years old i'd have been more affected by it and more kind of gleeful about it it's hard to say i mean i was 20 years old when the original Mortal Kombat came out and obviously the graphics for the time were fairly impressive and gory but it was still fundamentally the visuals were not uh, you know of you know significant verisimilitude to actually make you go you know it yeah. was kind of yeah. <laughs> you kind of squinted cord. at it and went is that a spine that's a <laughs> yeah, spine right, right. yeah so I, d I don't know I mean it's an 18 rated game presumably I haven't got the box yeah, right yeah, here yeah. it's up on the shelf and yeah I mean the studies continue about uh, into these things you have to hope that it would not tip anyone over to the edge in, who was already curious about slicing up you know kittens and or humans but um, no I think it, it appeals particularly to I guess young people in terms of teenagers just finding their way in life and push, wanting to push the bounds on the entertainment they uh, experience and the art they experience and stuff like that because it teaches them where their boundaries are and it teaches them where their tastes are and it's all part of growing as a person I think absolutely we all watch video nasties and all yeah that in the same way that you might seek out some really dark humor or you know ex exactly horror films that kind of thing yeah I I like horror movies a lot and you yeah. know that's that that I, I imagine that for a lot of people this this just scratches the same itch you know it's just yeah. it is frequently silly at, because it is so much <laughs> mm -hmm. mm. yep typical cane and rinse they've managed to crow their SJW politics into <laughs> even the end of year uh, <laughs> review and roundup. But yeah, what we should say before we leave Mortal Kombat 11 is that uh, like I'm I've not played it nearly enough, and I'm no expert at Nether Realms games generally. But this is a tournament standard 
fighting game engine that is now being used in tournaments. If you like the, the, the look and feel of their, I mean, on a tech level, I think their graphics are really, you know, pretty solid. There's, yeah. we've had conversations before about the difference in animation between these Western developed fighting games and their Japanese equivalents, yeah. where there tends to be a lot more dynamism in, dynamism in the actual animation and the contact between the characters. But here they, they've got a slightly different focus. I suppose one other question is, like I haven't bought any DLC for this, but as with most traditional, uh, most traditional, most modern fighters, it's now traditional for there to be season passes, plural. And so you can end up spending at least as much again on new characters and whatever else. Uh, is that, are we happy with that, with the model in this game? Have, have you spent any money on it? Um, I don't think I have. I, I haven't. But only because um, I played through this one a, a bit quicker than it took for the DLC to start dropping. But yeah, um, but yeah, I think so. They'd said there were going to be two combat packs, and I think combat pack one it's all just characters. Uh, you, you might get some character skins that go with them, but um, it, it gets you the new round of characters. Um, and in the, I, I think they split it into combat pack one and two, um, and and I just kind of had had my fill for a little while of the game in a kind of um, furious month or two's worth of play uh, before the DLC started to drop. So it was one of those where had it, had the DLC come a bit quicker, I might've pulled the trigger on the combat pack, but yeah, I think it's off the top of my head around about the kind of 20 to 30 pound mark for Mm -hmm. an extra, I think it's six characters. Yeah. It seems like a decent value. I mean, I, I, I have not, uh, I have not obviously played, uh, in any way to require such a thing. But I, I mean, I, I really don't have a problem with DLC packs like that as long as it doesn't feel like they intentionally shut out left characters out yeah, to, yeah, yeah or yeah. or you know or content or anything really like if it honestly feels like an extra, then something like that six new characters seems pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And these passes always go into yeah. sales after a little while. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Massive um, GSN sale right now. And, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Netherrealm continue their sort of tradition of having guest characters, particularly from kind of like horror franchises and stuff, come into their games. So we've had T eight hundred Joker mm. is coming very shortly. Um, re- he's already game. had a redesign, I think, mm. from the original showing of Joker as well. Yeah. So Joker was not rumored. There was another. The Netherrealm hinted uh, another character, which was Ash from um, Evil Dead, with a proper chainsaw sound at the end of one of their uh, trailers for the combat pack. Joker not so famous for the chainsaw. And so I think there was some suspicion that when they finally released the trailer that showed all of the combat pack characters, that Joker might have been rushed in there. Not that that wasn't a character they were planning on bringing in, but it seemed like his design, his animation in terms of the CG part of the trailer wasn't as polished, wasn't as finished. That was certainly how I felt when I saw it. And that goes hand in hand with expecting a different character to be there. But Yeah, he looks like a kind of mashup of the previous Joker we've seen in uh, in the other Netherrealm games yeah. and also uh, the... Jared, Jared, Jared Leto, Leto yeah, yeah, uh, Suicide yeah. Squad Joker. doesn't look like the, the Whacking Phoenix Joker, which may have been a much bigger seller for them, I suspect. Well, which which was the other kind of suspicion office. as to why they wanted to try and bring Joker out, but then they promptly yeah. missed ah. the, the film by a couple of months because Joker's right. not coming to the end of January. But you see now they can do alternate costumes and uh, Just, sell yeah. those. All of your favourite Jokers Aha. will have a... <laughs> 
how many jokers do you yeah. actually i mean this there's a lot of them i guess yeah you can pick every yeah, single one of them out if you sure. want. although I, I imagine they'll steer clear of the heath ledger one just for obviously reasons of taste i want the caesar romero <laughs> one you just said taste in the <laughs> mortal kombat <laughs> 11 dlc <laughs> yeah. next to a mortal kombat game yeah <laughs> Yeah, really happy with the game. And I think as a as a package in terms of all of the different modes, whether it's just doing single player stuff, there is a mountain of stuff you can do never having to play against another player in these games whatsoever, if you so choose, which like isn't how a lot of people choose to play fighting games. But mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like the stress when I'm back from a day at work of yep. sitting down having to kind of brace myself for going into online so it's nice to have towers there to do and vault stuff to do and and the single player yeah. story i think as there's well. a lot of people who feel that oh way, yeah i'm i'm yeah. definitely with you right so next up are a couple of packs unbelievably we're already back to konami this was uh, these were released in may and june and they've already been i've already seen these 50 percent discounted in sales digital sales on uh, on all three formats i think um and they're possibly on pc as well three console formats the castlevania and contra anniversary collections Ooh. they uh, they konami got m2 who we've uh, talked about and most you know reputable sources will talk about as being one of the the trusted tried and trusted uh, emulation developers they've worked with a lot of the big companies in bringing back uh, games from the past and getting them emulated nicely and faithfully and including lots of extra you know features filters and all that kind of thing were they involved in the uh, in the mega man collections the the recent those have Actually, no, those have been, um, the sort of, uh, those are Digital Eclipse. Oh, okay. Formerly, formerly Backbone, formerly Digital Eclipse. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yes. Uh, but they, they've really stepped up their game as well in mm. recent times. So they, they handled also the Street Fighter Anniversary Collection and the SNK 40th Anniversary ah, Collection. Okay. And they used to be known for being a bit, their, their work used to, used to be known among retro aficionados for being a little bit meh, you know, like a, a bit, <laughs> bit basics yeah. um but they've really upped their game um who's the guy james maybe you can help me out um Cifaldi, isn't it frank Cifaldi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who went to there and he's kind of he's a you know total retro nerd nut and totally gets it like what people want to see in these compilations yeah. not just the rom stuffed on a disc and then given a select menu they they put in all the extra work um to to make it a a presentable package yeah. and that's actually to an extent what m2 have done with these but i suspect that konami being modern konami probably didn't give them a huge amount of resource to get these together however what they did i think was is absolutely just bang on they're just two really really lovely packages um both have around eight games i think in yeah. fewer on the contra collection but more on the castlevania collection but they're spread across multiple formats as well as the the usual suspects you've got nes games along with game boy games and some japanese only famicom stuff like kid dracula and then excellently you've got super nintendo games rubbing up against their mega drive counterparts and equivalents um which is uh, and and sequels and spin-offs and things like that so on the on the contra pack you've got the legendary contra 3 the alien wars on the snes and then you can just flip out and switch on contra hardcore on the genesis and similarly on castlevania you can play the amazing super castlevania 4 flip over to the uh, the equally or you know arguably equally excellent and just as significant castlevania bloodlines um and you can you know all the emulation is uh, pretty much tip top as far as i can ascertain um and people who know these games better you know have have 
given their endorsement. Mm. And you also get a nice digital ebook for each uh, collection as well, which is, uh, which is, you know, manna from heaven. And Mikhail was particularly saying that, um, having these on the switch is just wonderful because yeah. you can kind of have it as a portable, you know, like a Kindle almost and read yeah. about these games as you travel around. So yeah, just really lovely stuff. And my favorite personal favorite element of this was when they first put these out there was some consternation because they only included the US ROMs for all the games which is better than including all the European ROMs obviously <laughs> but it's not where these games were made these are Japanese games and sometimes there are differences with presentation and difficulty and things like that with the Japanese games so what they did is they released a patch for both compilations and the other the third compilation they released as well which was the arcade classics anniversary collection which was a kind of odds and ends uh package yeah, also stuff. worth buying yeah. um but yes uh, and so yeah they 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 posthumously as it were post-release at least put in the option to play all the japanese versions so fair play and is that just a toggle from the menu when you select the yeah. game type thing? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't yeah. actually know that. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you actually, um, you go into, it's actually, they added a, a separate menu option and then it goes into a list of the Japanese games. Yeah, so so all very good. Not enough for, you know, for most of us to suddenly believe that Konami are uh, everybody's best friend again. But, um, but Something, something was, Pachinko, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, but with those and with uh, the Pixel Puzzle Collection, which we've already talked about, uh, at least they are, at least if They're nothing trying. else, they, they haven't <laughs> abandoned their amazing... Yeah history and legacy completely they might not be making a large number of new games but at least they're no. still doing things with their old ones which yeah. were very good the hope is that these made bank and they'll continue yeah. to appreciate that there is a huge amount of love and passion for for their astonishing back catalog and this it's my love for their back catalog which is i mean it, i suppose it should hurt me more that konami is where it is at but actually it makes me annoyed when i just people when people see say nasty things about konami because like but they've made me so happy for so long yeah. like it is a shame that they're who they are now but don't just say don't just blanket everything konami as being bad like um. i mean castlevania is one of my favorite series um and yes. and has been for a while and and some of these games i will what i will say is that some of these games are actually pretty hard to track down otherwise oh yeah original form i fairly recently um got into uh collecting some uh original games of uh of this type like it just not a ton of them you know i'm not i'm not a a and a collector that Obsessive spans basically collector, everything right? but for for series that i really enjoy like i have an nes copy of uh the original final fantasy you know it's 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 stuff like that i i <laughs> the uh nes copies of these games are actually pretty hard to track down with the box yeah. um i would really like a copy of the original castlevania but that's probably not going to happen because i would be mm. broke but um the the game boy games even without the boxes and stuff they're they're hard to get you know and they're not yeah. really emulated in any official capacity in a lot of places stuff like bloodlines um i i bought a copy of bloodlines that even without the case again it's it's hard to track those down kid dracula yeah. never even came out in in the no. west that was japan right. only so it's yeah it's it's cool so i i don't i don't think that these will necessarily appeal to everybody but especially no. if this is um it, for me it just kind of it, it just nailed it because i i really enjoy having a a place that i can go to i mean you it's it's, it's not for all of them i mean castlevania 4 you can play that basically everywhere like you can yeah. 
but it, it's true. but you know castlevania 2 for the game boy like where yeah. where are you gonna go to play that it's just not mm. a thing that you can easily track down so um yeah and i you can play it on switch which makes a lot of sense yeah. or you can you can smash it across your 55 inch you can if you want and i probably <laughs> will <laughs> yeah for sure um oh actually one thing one more thing i did want to say about these compilations is genuinely a bit disappointed though m2 back about 10 years ago made uh, a, a series of games called the rebirth games oh, for yeah. WiiWare that you can't actually find anymore uh and you literally can't get those now if yep. you don't own them this was a perfect opportunity for them to it get their have. own work on all the current modern formats. Maybe there was an exclusivity deal with Nintendo or something yeah. that meant that they couldn't. But, but even then, couldn't they have yeah. that as an exclusive on Switch? Yeah. Yes. Might have made I mean, that would have gotten me to buy it on Switch. I bought it on PS4, True. so... Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's a bit of a shame, but maybe maybe they'll see fit at some point to get a compilation of the Rebirth games together and That'd put them nice. out on Switch at least or something like that, because it is they were genuinely cool, mm. I, in my opinion, um, genuine successors yeah. to those series by people who loved them and talented coders, and it's a shame that they are no longer available. Yeah. On that uh, note, do you imagine there's a world in which there is a DLC pack with extra games released for these collections or a collection two? My feeling is... That would be amazing. I would be all over it. My feeling is it would have probably happened by now. Yeah. And Ooh. I'm not sure if there are any other of their sort of IPs from that era that have quite got the, the cachet no. to support a compilation, but they could do another. The Castlevania, certainly classics. they could fit a second one on and oh, presumably sure. yeah. sell, sell to the same people yes. who bought the first one. The, the, there's you know there's GBA games and things like yeah, that yeah. to be to be captured, but again those have been on Wii U virtual console, so I don't know if there's any kind of licensing or exclusivity. You want to, try, you yeah. want to talk hard to track down those GBA yeah. games? Oh, yeah, they're absolutely. expensive. I've, I've and and beloved. Yes, and DS games as well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, to three on DS as well, I think. So yeah, and obviously there are issues with controls and things. So I think these are the ones that they could do. And this sounds damning because it's because these are nice compilations, but these are the ones they could do the easiest with the you know the least effort or whatever yeah, sure. i think the others would all take probably more work in terms of emulation and control interface and all that kind of yeah, stuff so yeah. given what konami are, are like at the moment mm. i suspect it's it's not that likely but who knows if these made a ton of money and i suspect a lot of people even if they weren't tempted at the original sort of 15 quid 20 dollar price they will have they would have snapped them up at the 50% off regular sale price so who knows as i say it's just just the hope that konami haven't yeah they, they haven't abandoned everything about everything that made them amazing for like the best part of three four decades just every time a new console generation comes out just pump them out again and i'm gonna well, buy yeah. it again like i i'm yeah. not gonna pretend like i'm not but it's true anyway it's good for accessibility for those games as yeah. you say and um availability so and it means that uh if and when we finally do that comprehensive Castlevania 2D series of podcasts, it's easier to play some of them legit. Well, 2D and 3D, I, Castlevania 64, we actually do have to play that. Um. That's true. <laughs> you sound so sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was... Anyway. I've never we'll played it, that but show. that's, yeah, probably oh. <laughs> a discussion for a, a different... <laughs> I do have a copy. Surprisingly, Castlevania 64, not very hard to track down. <laughs> Yeah. Weird. Yeah, it was uh, it, it it hadn't aged well when it came out if you know what I'm saying. Yep. <laughs> so, 20 years on, goodness me. Okay, it's uh, virtual reality time. First up, this is hardware, isn't it? Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
we're actually going to talk about the Oculus Quest. So is this the, explain it for those of us who don't really understand. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so this came out in May, uh, almost exactly the same time or very close to when the new version of the Oculus Rift came out. Um, assuming most people know that Oculus Rift was the progenitor in many ways of the modern VR revival. It came out a few years ago now. There were um, there were dev kits, and then eventually it was launched in kind of 2015. I want to say just before the um, the PlayStation VR came out, um, and since then the PlayStation VR has been the most set- successful VR headset by virtue of not requiring a horrendously expensive PC to run, and also being a lot cheaper for the headset itself. So that was kind of where VR was at up until this year. Oculus uh, brought out a Rift S, which is an iterative step forward on the Rift. It has uh, different controllers um, and um, and does inside-out tracking, as it's called. So you don't need lighthouses around the room to point at you and detect your your movement, but you still have to connect it to a, a PC, uh, and the PCs have to be fairly beefy as gaming PCs go um, to run them. So the other piece of hardware that Oculus Quest brought out that I really do feel is going to kind of define what VR is going to do in no small way going forward was to bring out a similarly priced, so the Rift S was uh, 300 pounds, that sort of uh, ballpark area, um, to bring out a similarly priced to that, but standalone headset. So it has inside-out tracking in the headsets, which means cameras on the front of the headset looking out to see where you are relative to your surroundings, Mm. and the same controllers that the Rift S uses, but it's attached to nothing. You are entirely tetherless to use the Oculus Quest, so you can use Mm. it outside. The hands-free dream. Yeah. They recommend not using it outside because sunlight can make it difficult for for the tracking, but also if sunlight gets onto the lenses, because of the way the lenses work, you can actually burn out the screens behind the lenses. But um, you also... Uh, the the other thing that this enabled was a much swifter way of uh, drawing your play area in a given room. Uh, you can really sort of free freehand draw that onto the ground around you, and it will very quickly detect where you are and give you a play space that works for that. And yeah, I think it's an absolute marvel. In the vast majority of cases, there is a visual step down because essentially what you have is a essentially a mobile phone in the headset but it's all built in it's not you putting your phone in obviously but it's therefore textures and sort of level of detail tends to take a bit of a hit particle effects definitely get dialed back but on games like beat saber for example something that's a bit more abstract uh, a bit more kind of regular shapes uh works flawlessly in in yeah, my opinion next to say Rift S or certainly next to PlayStation the tracking I find better on the Oculus than the PlayStation mm. using its kind of PlayStation camera um cobbled together system with the move the move controllers and I I really don't think there's any doubt we will see PlayStation VR in their next iteration try to do something untethered. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm waiting for yeah, to get on board yeah. because I, uh, the tethering I know, I, particularly with the Model 1 of the PSVR, was a bit of a, a state yeah, uh, it's, and it's they've improved now, it but, somewhat. Yeah. But um, So yeah, the launch of the Oculus Quest and, and it, it had a... It, it certainly seemed to be well received and seems to have sold pretty well. A lot of games have released Quest versions or Quest compatibility if you're buying the Rift version. In some cases, they are tweaked versions of games, and there definitely are still games um, like 
Asgard's Wrath and upcoming Half-Life Alex next year that won't run on Quest. As far as I know, they're not going to develop any Quest version of that. But Oculus at their conference in the autumn announced that they will do a link cable that allows you to connect your Quest to a VR-compatible PC and use it in many ways as a Rift, which I think a lot of people were kind of saying, doesn't this just make the Rift obsolete? Kind of. There's so what they do is they send a video signal out from your PC to so so it's not quite as as smooth as as the Rift. There is a risk of delay there, yeah, yeah. and and the headset still having to supplement the the encoding and the tracking data back into the game. So it's not quite as smooth. There are reports that is slightly uh, slight feeling of lagginess potentially. Um, yeah, a little bit, kind of that thing, except with VR, obviously it's headset lag, so it's leg. movement yeah. yeah, of the headset. But I'm very keen to try it out because VR, I think, got this sort of great push at the beginning of this generation, and it has kind of fallen by the wayside a bit simply because mm-hmm. a £1,000 for a headset plus a £1,000 for the gaming PC to run it, which is not there. I'm... I'm sure people can tell me it can be done cheaper, but it's a lot of money. And even people who are used to spending four hundred pounds on a on a console uh, or equivalent in dollars, that's that's not the same ballpark of, of the amount of money you're spending to get into VR. It's a big investment, especially for something that people say is amazing, but is not something that you will necessarily spend hour after hour immersed in that because even people who kind of feel like they want to do that uh it's not necessarily mentally or physically comfortable to do that yeah yeah there's any any number of reasons why not to eye strain but also just if you were just playing on vr you would be missing out on many other games you might want to play so um, yeah also true yeah but but mm. a, a, a real a boon, I think, for VR this year. I have an Oculus Quest. I don't make, as you've just suggested, as much use of it as I could, but I could quite easily play Beat Saber or Pistol Whip or whatever else every single day on that and be quite happy. Um, it's just mm. I, I won't be playing Death Stranding on it anytime soon. So yeah. no. <laughs> In the world of PSVR, then, mm. there was a, a pretty well-received, uh, reviews-wise, game, and I certainly know that some of the team who played Blood and Truth had a great time with it. Uh, Jay's wife worked on the, uh, well, sort of the back end of the uh, some of the communication within Sony on it, so we've got that kind of connection to it. I think Jay got a free copy, yeah. uh, which was nice, and um, I know that he loved it. He did. And yeah. is this who played this? I've heard loads of good stuff about Blood and Truth. I'm not sure if it's the way my PSVR is set up or not. I had tracking issues, particularly when you're climbing. That's a shame. It kind of snaps you onto. You've got move controllers in each hand. Obviously, it snaps you onto, say, a, a piece of scaffolding that you're going to climb along. And several times, I ended up falling off the scaffolding not because I was doing anything wrong, just because it didn't oh. detect that my hand was in the Says right you. place. <laughs> but but it's <laughs> that feeling story. of, like like with any game really, I suppose, like that feeling of, I know I did what I've done a hundred times before and has worked and it didn't work this time. And that's a real disconnect for the that's experience. Maddening, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. Um, but I liked it. It's a, it's a kind of, it, so it builds off of the... Um, the heist uh, mini game in the in the PlayStation VR uh, yeah, collection, which I did play. Mm. Um, so it builds off that you're in a gangster, you're a returning soldier coming back to a family of gangsters grieving the the death of your father and the kind of head of the family, and trying to survive as other forces try to kind of overtake the family and try and sort of pick it apart. 
Is it Yakuza? Because it kind of sounds a little like Yakuza. Bit more Guy Ritchie, I think. Isn't uh, it? Well, obviously, the nature of VR in this case is it's it's very on rails. Um, so you're taken through set pieces rather than something like Yakuza, where you really immerse yourself in the world. This is more here's a driving section to get you to a museum, where there's ah. a shooting section to then get you to the the safe house where you're you've got collectibles and stuff there and a shooting range and whatever. So it's much more stripped back than a Yakuza, but it it's a, it's more going for a kind of action film, you know. There's there's sequences where you're in a plane and and all sorts of other stuff going on. Uh, I obviously won't spoil any of the story. And it's a three four hour experience, maybe from memory. This was six months ago now. Is it a mid pricer? I think was it like thirty yeah, quid or thirty five? Twenty five thirty quid. I'm sure you can get it yep. for less than that if you're looking yes, in second hand retailers. But yeah, a good fun for the time I spent with it. Think of it as a kind of like th- action film with kind of Bond E Guy Ritchie E elements in it. And yeah, good fun. Uh, we covered the soundtrack somewhat in a Sound of Play Extra back in July with uh, Thomas interviewing Jim Fowler and Joe Thwaites, who made the music. So yeah. check that one out. More VR. This I know nothing. What is it? Box VR? Uh, box VR is just a, a, a point at which to kind of. Compare and contrast to something like Beat Saber, which actually came out this year as well, but uh, Jacob's far more qualified to talk about Beat Saber than I am. Uh, Box VR, ostensibly a fitness game, but if you imagine... Oh, Box VR. Yeah, 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 Boxing yeah. VR. Boxing. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely... Uh, I, it sounds like Leon might have been <laughs> the same place. Box I was rather like, than is boxing this gloves, like yeah. a... Yeah, it, it's just a box? Like, are we... Are we Sounded a bit dry, to be a, honest, a metal by gear, uh, standards. <laughs> sit underneath and peek out. Um, so it's, it's boxing. You, you, <laughs> Solid snake style. Exactly. Yeah. Sneak around the room whilst your dog watches you mournfully just... <laughs> <laughs> Who is this it sounds, person? It sounds something like off of uh, Playwright to ask us the podcast. Ryan and Ryan. Um, so down. no, you, you start off in the gym, you've got a playlist. The UI is uh, not ideal for kind of, you can create your own playlist from the songs, but it's a it's not as user-friendly as you'd like because obviously it's using the move controllers to do it, so you don't have d-pad sticks to kind of move around Uh, so that's a bit fiddly but once you get into the game you are stood in a gymnasium type environment they had a couple of different environments but in a lot of cases it was kind of day and night versions of the same ones but uh, and there are blocks coming towards you similar to beat saber there's one for your left hand one for your right hand and you are doing uppercuts and hooks and uh, jabs um and then ducking and weaving around obstacles. Very much if you took something like a Beat Saber and made it a boxing game, it's what you'd think. And I think probably is a bit more of a workout than Beat Saber. I was going to say. Pitched as, not computer. Yeah. It's pitched as a uh, a fitness style game. So it's counting your calories. Telling And the more you move, obviously, the more calories it tells you you're burning. Cardio beneficial, would you say? I certainly got yeah myself to the point of my heart rate was up and I was getting towards being out of breath because it was a string string sort of four or five uh songs together in in playlists so you're you're going for you know 10 minutes at a time potentially and yeah they didn't have in it any uh known songs but they were all fairly high tempo acceptable songs to be okay to be doing that to who makes this sorry i I think the the company is oh something something boxing related as well okay in the same sort of way that um beat saber is is literally made by beat um studio i can quickly look it up oh fit xr is the uh is the developer I don't know why XR. And uh, does it come with big red glove peripherals or anything? It like doesn't. That? No, uh, it, it's one of those where actually it works quite well with the move controllers because mm. you just 
create obviously fists around it. You don't need to hold them tightly. You're not pressing any buttons. Right. So yeah, it just needs to know where your hands are and the move controllers are as good as anything for, for that. Like dumbbells, sweaty yep. dildo balls by the end of the session. <laughs> Absolutely. Give them uh-huh. a good, uh, give everything a good wash down afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and also make sure, presumably when you're playing this, that you have a good wide open empty space around yes. you without uh, objects or people. Please in do not punch respect- your television. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in that respect, I actually found it better than Beat Saber because Beat Saber, you're Ooh. kind of making wide sweeping Wild, cuts. Yeah. Whereas yeah. With, with Box VR, you, you're not punching down towards it the ground. Controlled. You're always kind of punching out ne- in front yeah. of you. So as long as you've Never got a meter down, so. It's not funny. No, exactly. So furniture little, around little your, your legs is not going <laughs> to... Uh, but yeah, I, I found that was that was fairly straightforward. But yeah, obviously wrist straps on and and don't stand too close to Me. partners and children around you who may be, <laughs> may be in the room. <laughs> yeah, I can. Uh, I've got images in my head now: children flying through plate glass windows. Ah, uh, they heal. TVs don't. I can tell yeah, you that. Good, good point. Yes, always punch up, <laughs> uppercut those children into the into God. the ceiling. Right. Uh, next up, we have the long-awaited sequel to a game that was around Xbox original times and that generation uh, and and its sequel. This is the second sequel to mm. Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I've not played these, but my understanding is, um, didn't Silicon Knights make the earlier ones? Uh, Raven yes. made one of them. Oh. Right. And I think I'm sure when uh. we talked to Dennis Dyack for several hours, he was involved in somehow on one of the early ones. But maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Anyway, so these are where you play as Marvel characters in a Diablo-like uh, sort of yeah, game. Yeah, yes. a, a brawler from kind of isometric perspective, yeah. roaming through arenas and meeting characters that you've met before in Marvel things, yeah. The biggest difference between this and like a, a Diablo-like game is that you will always have a party, uh, even if you are playing it single player. That's part of it is oh, like making your uh, your team and... Um, your ultimate Yes, exactly. Ha ha, mm-hmm. you got there. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you'll, you can get like various bonuses for putting like all four members of the Fantastic Four together or, or four... Uh, people course. from the X-Men or, you know, so, right, so, right, yeah, right. various types of uh, you can make it whatever you want for the most part, as long as you have those characters unlocked or uh, or in in your kind of stable. But uh, yeah, you you if you make teams that either make sense or have some kind of connection, then you uh, better things will will sometimes happen. Yeah, you get bonuses and that kind of thing for stats in this game particularly. But yeah, you you get synergy kind of stuff going on where mm-hmm. um some of the move, multiple character moves and specials are kind of taken from comics and um you know screwball special for Colossus and Wolverine that kind of thing. So, uh interesting things that pique my interest about this. Mm. Uh one is it's made by Kai Tecmo. The Dynasty Warriors people, right? Yep. Is it the same team or a different team? It is Team Ninja. Really? It's Team Ninja. Oh, okay, so Ninja. <laughs> it's a Gaki's former, former yep. wards before he moved on mm-hmm. uh, under a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> so these, this is the team that we'd normally associate with uh, literally thousands of pieces of pervy DLC. <laughs> does does Ultimate Marvel, uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance come with, you know, Black Widow wearing only a Christmas thong so i will say costumes are an area where i've been kind of disappointed with this game i'm (laughs) not enough so that's a no no, um (laughs) 
<laughs> aside from, but leaping on from Leon's point, um, a lot of the costumes look a little bit too much like palette swaps rather than, say, in oh, Marvel, okay. uh, Insomniac's Marvel Spider-Man, where yes. they went back to the comics for costumes. And all of these characters have comics and other source material related costumes that would be perfect. Uh, and mm. in this case, they felt a little too kind of palette swappy, not enough there. Um, but DLC wise, uh, characters, um, there were a couple of free characters, which were Colossus and Cyclops uh, at the end of August. And then since then they have had, they've had one released character pack for Marvel Knights. I think that was the first one. And then the mm. second one's going to be X-Men, which is another four X-Men characters. And then the last one's going to be Fantastic Four, which is, I'll let you guess which Fantastic Four characters are uh-huh. in the Fantastic Four DLC. Even I know them. <laughs> hey, hey, though, um, the X-Men one has Phoenix, and that's um, a real big bonus for me. Um, yeah. yeah. I, this is, uh, you know how usually I talk about my uh, Triforce tattoo? I also <laughs> have a Phoenix tattoo. So, um, oh, yeah. Right. There you go. That's Other things about this mm. uh, that I'm curious about, as somebody who isn't that familiar with the series or, mm. or certainly this game, um, it reviewed okay. Mm-hmm. Meta um, Open Critic, who who we have to use now because sadly game rankings is gone. But uh, it has an Open Critic score of seventy three, um, with a fair yeah. rating, mm-hmm. with fifty one percent of critics recommending it. So didn't set the world on fire critically. Um, I would say just my perception of the conversation around it. It was quite brief. Yeah, yeah, probably. But I think this sort of game you want to be fairly brief, and then replayability comes from. Yeah. A lot of the mm-hmm. challenge levels and replaying through the game on, on tougher difficulties. You're leveling up characters as you go. And when you unlock new characters, they unlock at a level relative to where you currently are. But what that means is you're only ever leveling up four characters at a time. So there's plenty of characters to go back and level up and unlock new specials for them and that kind of thing. Um, and then the challenges you can go through and again allow you to in some cases unlock characters but unlock costumes and stuff for the characters um right. yeah so th- there's there's stuff there and they, i think have been pretty good about not just with paid dlc in terms of characters but in terms of adding extra stuff into those um modes as well and adding a couple of characters who were in the game but not playable as as free dlc afterwards yeah i, I can't necessarily disagree with the reviews. That's the opinion of the people who played it. I had a fantastically fun time with this. I heard some complaints that it's very mashy. I think these games are kind of meant to be. And I certainly found I I was able to get into a good rhythm as much as with anything but your really top tier brawler third person action games. I could get into a good rhythm and reliably dodge attacks from where I knew when I knew they were coming. Mm. But you're being mobbed by, you know... uh, at some points, dozens of enemies at once. And so you can expect to have characters hitting you from all angles and it can become very difficult to dodge, but it gives you a lot of different ways to, whether it be through um, super meters, meters, or I guess ultimate meters as they are, to, to have synergy attacks and special attacks that are always powering up. And when you activate them, you can regain health. So it's a lot of meter management, but yeah, really good fun wandering through environments that you know from the comics, versions of characters that look kind of close to Marvel films but mostly marvel comics takes on the characters and yet a story that is it's so the black order is thanos's group of 
henchmen, I guess, if you like, but mm. they are the Black Order who are going around trying to collect the Infinity Stones for Thanos. It It's not a massive leap from what people are very familiar with now, so you, you don't expect any great shakes from the story. But it, as a trip through Marvel kind of familiarity and nostalgia, I had mm-hmm. a great time with it, I have to say. Yeah, I suppose the other curiosity about it is that it's a Switch exclusive and that Nintendo seemingly facilitated its existence, yeah. assuming, I assume, in the belief that it would even be potentially a system seller for big Marvel fans because they can't play this anywhere else. Yeah, that that was... I wonder how how that did affect the game, yeah. if, if, at, if at all. Because, I mean, it just... it. It, I remember it standing out as odd to me that that was the only system that it was coming out on, uh, and yeah. it, it just—I—I I, I don't think it's a bad thing, and uh, but I do wonder if a if it will ever get ports to other systems. I, I expect not because I think it would have it's got Nintendo on the box. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly that, and also I think it would have been mentioned by somebody by this point. Um, yeah, but uh, and I yeah I, I don't know. It just it it was an odd thing to me. Mm. Yeah, I think this is a uh, a Bayonetta 2 situation. I think this game would not exist without Nintendo stepping in, and I presume Nintendo spotted a gap either by genre or by calendar in their schedule for this year's releases and said, well, let's let's see if we can get someone to make this. As, as a group of people, Team Ninja, in terms of action games, probably a, a good shout for it, I would think. And yeah, um, I think that I think it just plugs a, a gap that Nintendo saw. Whether it will justify a further sequel, they're, they're certainly persisting with the DLC packs that they're putting out and supporting the game. And I don't know if it will be a system seller, but I can imagine it filling a slot on people who predominantly play on Switch on in their in their 2019. So yeah, good dip in and out commute sort of game. Maybe? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm. you can play in very short spurts. Yeah, nice. Now, uh, pretty much all my remaining selections for this show are predictable in that they're either kind of retro revival type games or football slash soccer Um, (laughs) but I'll be brief on each one Um, partly because I haven't played tons of any of them but these are the games that I have found the games that were released in 2019 that I have found some time to play Uh, first up is Blazing Chrome and this is a Contra reimagining by a team called Joy Masher uh, greeted with some pretty solid reviews and um, yeah, it's a, a loving tribute to the Contra run and gun Konami type game. Um, I don't know what else to say. Has anyone else dabbled? I have not. I have not, but I have seen it is, has been a favorite of the uh, the um, uh, Digital Foundry um, people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Very much it, in their retro wheelhouse. As with all the games that I'm pretty much going to talk about from here on in, it is a not just because there are a lot of these products coming out, a lot of kind of retro tinged or or just tribute games that are intended to, at least on the surface, resemble games from the past. And a lot of them that are games that I won't be mentioning just for me, don't nail it. But there are some outstanding examples where the people who made them clearly have a massive passion for the the subject that they're covering and i think all all the ones that i'm going to talk about at least tick those boxes to some degree or another it's not to say they're all equally amazing or equally bad or don't have 
some you know weaker areas and stronger areas but my i i just think i don't think sometimes that the really outstanding examples of these kind of get enough attention because i think they get swamped a bit among all the the me too kind of uh not the modern hashtag no, me no. too the the, uh, the the old uh another game in the same genre the ultrarans almost i guess so yeah, yeah blazing chrome uh very positive on steam mm. all reviews so um people check it out it's uh it's pixely blasty fun and it's on game pass or at least i mean it, it certainly was and has been i don't know if it's i think some game i need to speak to ryan about this as he works on the game pass team i have talked to him a little bit about it but some games have a limited time on game pass yeah. you don't necessarily know how long that is uh, and one of the things i was talking to him about he was saying that they're actually they want to communicate better sort of how long things are going to be on there. But then I, I suppose they are going to stop short of just saying when something comes up, you know, like, you've got six months to play this. But I don't know, maybe that would be helpful in some ways. Uh, I think So I, th- I wonder if uh, if a way around that would be a kind of like like they do on Netflix, last chance to play about a month before it's due to come off. They do situation. do that on yeah. the Xbox Dash, but it doesn't. it still doesn't give you exactly any information. It yeah, just says yeah. leaving, leaving the service soon. soon. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think, especially given the length of games. I, I can't sure, remember. I yeah. talked about this somewhere else. Maybe it was last week. <laughs> and especially with Yakuza and or Final Fantasy games going on there. Exactly. Those are the sorts of things you yeah. don't really want three weeks notice yeah. about. And obviously it could benefit the publishers of those games in the sense that if people get stuck in 20 hours into a Final Fantasy and then it gets removed from the service, you're more likely to pony up for the to play the rest of the game. Yeah. But it Maybe. could leave a bitter taste from Game Pass yeah, sure. uh, subscribers. So we shall see. But I suspect with some of the games from smaller independent studios, I suspect it's a permanent deal that like yeah. there are some films on Netflix and Amazon that are just, they just seem to be there, part of the service yeah, yeah, forever. Yeah. Or maybe they've signed like a, you know, a 99 year deal or something like <laughs> that. That's So it's effectively permanent. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Blazing Chrome can be played, but also elsewhere. Another one in the same area of existence is the Ninja Saviors, Return of the Warriors, also known as the Ninja Warriors once again in Japan, which I think is a much better name as always. Um, This is a, a, hang on, let me get this right. It's the remake of a sequel to an arcade game. So it was an arcade game in 1987 called The uh, Ninja Warriors by Taito. And it uh, had three screens mounted horizontally next to each other. And you played across all three screens. Uh, Same as Darius, same setup as that. They really caught the eye back in the day, as you can imagine, and still do if you go to Arcade Club. Uh, It had incredibly, well, normally... When it was cranked up in the right arcades, it had this incredible Zuntata soundtrack cranked up to the max. But the first game, to be honest, you can play it on Switch and PS4 now. I don't think it's aged tremendously well. Um, it's uh, it's very sort of simplistic, horizontally scrolling hack and slasher um, with shurikens and knives. It plays very much like uh, Kung Fu Master or Vigilante uh, with a few twists, but it looks and sounds great. Anyway, they made a sequel for the Super Nintendo, which was a kind of reimagining of the the original game rather than a sequel called the Ninja Warriors again. And that was about 94, I think. So it was quite late in the SNES's life. So it didn't get that much attention because people were starting to look towards PlayStation and so on. But uh, they got the same team together to do this as who did uh, the Wild Guns remake a few years ago, which was similarly high quality. Mm. And yeah, it, it is just a just a uh, a pixel art ninja game where you scroll from 
you know, you, you progress through areas, several areas in a row from left to right. But this one for me is just made with such craft. Every single takedown feels like uh, a treat. You've got these f- originally four and then subsequently six as you unlock them characters to play through with. And mm-hmm. they're all markedly different. Yeah. So you've got a standard. Uh, you, your standard is uh, is the ninja woman who's a ninja robot woman, actually, if we're being particular about it, who's very agile and nimble and ninja-like. Um, but then if you pick the guy in this one who used to be, you know, basically a palette swap, he's now a screen sort of towering, hulking monster who uses wrestling moves and, you know, has very different statistics and attributes. And then there's a robot who's like a spider with grappling arms. And there's a tiny little... Uh, like a, a miniature ninja female woman with different skills yet again. And there's even a, the final unlockable character is a boss size uh, character that you basically smash from left to right through, through each level. Um, so every character comes with a bunch of different tactics and strategies for beating the levels. It's definitely the kind of game where you can uh, just keep practicing and get better and better. It's the kind of game you could do. It's it's so neat. It's so tightly designed that you could definitely go for kind of no hit, no damage runs and things yeah, like yeah. that. Um, every single enemy encounter is sort of expertly, even though there's there's a certain amount of kind of uh, on rushing baddies from left to right. But it is one of those games where you can learn it so well that kind of you can get to the point where enemies don't even get to come on the screen it's that kind of that kind of game where you're standing at the edge of the screen and taking things out before they even appear yeah but for, for all that said it's not too it's not that it doesn't have to be that much of a learn it and succeed game you can definitely there's definitely room for invention and um sort of improvisation as well but yeah it's for me it's about the look and the feel uh, is is just absolute it's rather than some of these other games i'm talking about like blazing chrome which feel like loving tributes this feels like a game that was made in the 90s uh, and it's just and it was and it's just been given a a very very lovely spit and polish so so is this an official remake of the sequel which yeah. was itself a reimagining then? precisely right, okay. yeah so all the yeah. more strange why they didn't just stick with the 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 title once again oh it's it's just because they um they, it was renamed already in oh, okay, for the, sure yeah yeah, yeah so it was sense. the ninja warriors again in japan yeah, yeah. and they called it Ni- the ninja warriors which was the same name as the original game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, now the Ninja Saviors. Uh, it also has, uh, I think, if you just look at the art that surrounds the game, it's absolutely breathtaking. Um, I don't know the names of the artists involved, but just just really lovely stuff. Anyway, I like this so much. I asked for a review code, reviewed it, gave it a glowing review, and bought it again so I could complete it again on a different format. So yeah, I just uh, I think it's people have been really excited, understandably, about Streets of Rage Four. Yeah, and I and and I I'm I'm a huge Streets of Rage fan, but this one I think for a lot of people has completely gone under the radar. Yeah, but it's a it's another game I think of a similar kind of level of quality and excitement that people who are fans of games of the era and the genre should not miss. Nice. And again, I suspect it's probably already been in sales and will be in sales. So. Yeah, you, ha- you have been extremely vocal. This is probably one of the most excited uh, that I've heard uh, Leon get about a, a, a game. Honestly, I, 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 it's, it's quite impressive. I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Thank you. It's, yeah, it's just, uh, it just ticks a lot of fun boxes and just makes me happy. Football briefly, because it's just me rabbiting on at the moment, but um, I've played both this year's big soccer games for our foreign listeners. I haven't played either 
for thousands of hours yet because they haven't been out that long. eFootball PES 2020 is already on Game Pass. So that's where I'm playing it, which does mean that you can't use edited option files on the Xbox. Right. Uh, this is this is an Xbox issue, and it's a real shame because on, on the PS... So famously, PES doesn't have that many licenses. Yeah. It's got more than it used to, but most of the teams and players it's, are It's fake. on a team-by-team basis almost now, isn't it? It is, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, and the odd competition. On the PS4, you just go to a website, download an option file, bung it in, boom, you've got all the kits, all the... You know, everything, everything's right and up to date. The player faces, the sponsors, the logos, everything that you, you want to make it authentic is there on the Xbox. You got to do it or yourself, despite the comprehensive <laughs> editing facilities, um, unless you have the skills and thousands of hours, that ain't going to happen. So my decision this year, because I'm, it's right now, this game is already half price on PS4. So I could buy it and play the edited version. But I just thought, nah, I'm just going to play without any editing. I'm just going to play it as it is. And my brain can do that, that work. And I've got FIFA, which has all the things kind of pre-made anyway. So what I will say about Pez, and I've, I've got a long, long history with both these series. Um, Pez has been f- pretty decent for the last quite a few years after a, after a, a lull in the late 2000s. But, um, but it's always been lacking for me. But this year, for me, definitely feels like the strongest Pro Evo for a long, long time. And when I've watched, there's genuinely been points, and I know I'm getting old, my eyes are not what they were, <laughs> but there have genuinely been points when I've seen this running um, on video and whatever, where the player movement around the pitch and the look of the, the weight of the physicality and the animation has been that good that I've had to double take to see if it wasn't real, which the only other sports game I can think of where I've had that before is the NBA 2K series, which I don't even play because I'm not into basketball. So that is impressive in itself. The yeah. ball physics are, are fascinating and um, well, realistic, which is an important element. And um, yeah, and it's yeah, it's on Game Pass and it's half price already. So um, and FIFA, well, FIFA 19 seems, to, I mean, Talk about toxic fan bases. <laughs> FIFA is right up there with uh, Star Wars and Doctor Who and comics and <laughs> and video <laughs> games in general. Um, FIFA 19, people absolutely deplored and despised. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories about that the game is kind of pre-scripted, especially in its ultimate team mode. Right. The idea that the whole thing is basically a big swizz to get you to part with money, which I've never done um, because I play career mode. So... And I had a I had a decent time with FIFA 19. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fine as a single player career football match, uh, but 20 does uh, does seem to improve quite a lot of areas as well. Um, and it's the usual comprehensive package. But I think we are at the point where like the reviews have definitely trended downwards at this point mm-hmm. of the the generation yeah. because they're reusing then engines and you mm-hmm. know it's very hard to make a game that of this nature suddenly look like a, a hundred times better. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see because the generational leap is probably not going to be that massive in some ways. Although, you know, we are hearing that the Series X is going to be four times as powerful as the One X, but whether yeah, they'll be, but- be able to um, harness and, and leverage all that sure. into the early sports games of next generation, I very much doubt, especially as they will be. We're looking at games that are going to be made for both gens in future, aren't we, effectively? Yeah, and and the the gap between the technology or the technology is the same. It's mm. just slightly better. So the the two main areas that 
we can expect advancements are loading times, which presumably are rarely an issue in a in a football game. Not really, and, yeah. And lighting, which is not really going to affect mm. all that much about the way the game looks and plays. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I'm not giving either like a massive must play recommendation. Mm. I'm sure football fans will have chosen one or neither. Um, so, but yeah, in my case, I'm in a weird position because I played mm-hmm. FIFA in the late nineties just because mm. I happened to grab that box off the shelf uh, right. to play on my PC. Yep. And then by the time I came back to gaming in 2008, I bought Pro Evolution Soccer, which oh. I'd heard Pro Evo was the better game or was certainly considered better by a large yeah, portion of the Yeah, that was the year when it started to tip and that back was the, FIFA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the, the off year that, or the, the year that people started to notice the decline. Yeah. And then I have not been back to any of these games. But what I have heard mm. of recent times is Pez's doing great things except online is having massive problems. Uh, Presumably if you're playing career modes, you don't necessarily see or haven't necessarily seen that this year. I used to play online uh, and I've had some wonderful and some horrendous experiences of online football, both in terms of the people I was playing and the technology involved. At its best, online football video games are some of my favourite things. At their worst, it's a really miserable, depressing experience yeah. both in terms of the game playing like ass and the people that you're playing being assholes all of yeah every experience in between if i was only going to play mm. online absolutely it would be fifa because yeah it's they've just you know they've got that nailed um konami have never and pez pez team or whatever they're called now have never fully got it uh, it's not as clunky as it once was there was a point where you had to, I'm sure in the PS3 days, where you had to manually sign in every time and and yeah, accept yeah. different Konami agreements every time you went online or something ludicrous. It's not like that anymore. No, but no. It, it's still prone to be laggy and clunky yeah, yeah, and janky yeah. and all those bad words. So yeah, for for online players, definitely FIFA. If you don't want to get into the the world of, I mean, it's mainly a kids or a younger person's sure. thing. The ultimate yeah. team card collecting. I think there are probably some dubious practices involved in that definitely yeah there have been for years now yeah yeah um but you don't have to engage with any of that stuff any more than you're marched at gunpoint into a betting shop you know so but yes i think for the people people who have fond memories of playing football games many many years ago and don't care about it being authentic pro evo is probably still the way to go for those people who do want all the current player kits and likenesses and and although they've lost juventus to Pez. Yeah. So Juventus yeah. now has a fake name in FIFA, for example. <laughs> but if you want one that looks like, looks and sounds like the modern Premier League and all that kind of thing, then um, then FIFA's the way to go. Last question in that in uh, about these games: Which Yorkshireman is now responsible for Pro Evo that it's got e football on the front of it? <laughs> e football. What, what uh, is that? What is? It didn't seem to be a, a company or organization or anything that I can. Mm think of i think it's just konami's attempt to try to stay relevant <laughs> make it sound in, like an esport or something I exactly don't know. Yeah. right yeah and to be honest given the accusations against fifa's um sort of uh non-emergent you know kind of sure yeah game management don't want that in the competition yeah exactly so pro evo is the 
the purest option for competitive play for sure. Unless you know, FIFA, EA Sports continue to deny any shenanigans yeah, yeah, in their course, code, yeah. but they do kind of skirt around the issue a bit. My personal belief is that there is a lot of uh, it's not scripting as such, but it's waiting. It's uh, w- with an EIGHT, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's momentum and. You know, every player has a kind of uh, morale and that kind of thing. And I think what they do is they, depending on the situation in the game, is they whack those sliders up and down as you go. Things can, like the momentum of a game can very suddenly change, but that is football. Like that is, yeah, in a way, sure, yeah. th- that's them trying to simulate I, I guess the, the problem the comes where, as I've heard in recent years with, I think, FIFA primarily, is mm. if those systems that are supposed to produce the like emergent stuff that can happen in a real life sporting event if Mm -hmm. they become predictable as in you can always run up the pitch and score a goal in this way which is a really simplistic way to do it but if if way more of the goals come from corners than realistically should happen or or or, i wish i could wish i could score but but, yeah that's that's not a specific example just kind of general um but, but if it feels like the game is pushing play in a certain direction reliably yeah. yes. in a way that that doesn't feel right, then that's going to yeah. be more of an issue than... Absolutely. Yeah. But what I will say is every year I play FIFA, have done for 11, 12 years now yeah. on career mode, mm-hmm. on the hardest difficulty setting, yeah. which is notoriously unfair, yeah. but it's the way I like to punish myself and get <laughs> the most out of the game because it means that when you score, it's like you punch the air, run around a room moment. <laughs> and I also it always investigate there's a forum where they do uh, FIFA sliders. Yes. And I've mentioned this on podcasts before, but actually you can go into the back end of the game and kind of tweak AI behavior. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you can make it a much more fair and realistic game of football just by engaging with that side of things. It's a shame, you know, people would say, well, it's a shame that you have to, but it's like any game, tweak the options to your desire and yep. make it the game you want to make. So, you know, so you don't let's have prove to, to that it does not to need to be a developer-led experience. Yeah, precisely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, just if if you get FIFA and you feel like it's jipping you, uh, Google uh, FIFA twenty sliders and you'll find some people. Lots of gifts of slide tackles and also some to, settings yeah. for your game that might help. <laughs> and also that dude going round time with um john reese davis good <laughs> reference huh absolutely john reese davis once described on i think it was uh, on one of the lord of the rings commentary tracks as just to the right of genghis khan <laughs> always where you want to be i'd want to be on his right to be honest. his um have you ever seen john reese davis on question time yes yeah a couple of clips not, here not, and there yeah, yeah. Not, not not a nice man anyway sorry we've completely shut Leah out of this conversation <laughs> nope. hey i'm here uh just <laughs> It's Still just early not, in the morning. It's just not some. It, it's, not it's not your my thing. thing. Yeah, no, it, I understand. I, I completely understand people getting way into it. Um, it, it'd be like me sitting down, you guys, and explaining in depth the plot of Kingdom Hearts. Um, mm. so it's fine. I'll be quite up for that. Actually, I'd be entertaining <laughs> but, um, if nothing else. Yeah. Listen, I have some slides. We'll talk later. <laughs> uh, Kingdom Hearts three currently very cheap on PSN. Indeed. By the way. Fight and Rage, very briefly, this is a very much in the mould of Blazing Chrome, only for Streets of Rage style games. Uh, this actually came out on PC originally in 2017, but has made its way to console this year. I just wanted to mention it because uh, it's another loving tribute to a, a, a genre. And I think it's a game that probably hasn't had a huge amount of attention, but it's, a, I think, a very well made and put together old school belt scrolling brawler type game. And I think the one it reminds me of most is the much missed 
uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World game from yeah. about ten years ago, which is no longer no available. available. Due to I like that issues. game. Yeah, this is doesn't quite have the cutesy charm of that, but it has. It's you know anyone who's been watching Amikil playing Double Dragon three on uh, on Famicom on on our Twitch and YouTube channels, it's got. It's got that, only it's not as evil as that game that Mikiel's <laughs> playing because he's a nutter. But um, it has that, it has that kind of vibe, you know, little little pixel guys punching each other in the face. But it's got a, it's got a few modern bells and whistles and twists that make it worth investigating. If you fancy something fun to play over Christmas, perhaps with uh, pals or relations, you could do a lot worse, I would say. Uh, a, a quick, quick last minute addition just along those same For lines sure. is, uh, that I just started playing, uh, River City Girls. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. It's, I uh, want to play this. I have not, I have not played much of it yet. I've only got up through the first boss. Um, but it's, <laughs> it is something good that I can play, uh, whilst riding my, uh, my bike because it can't be something too complicated when I'm riding the bike because I can't really pay that much attention. But, um, yeah. this, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's a nice, uh, beat em up. So the, the conceit is that you are playing the girlfriends of the, the guys from yes. uh, River City Ransom, mm-hmm. uh, and they have been kidnapped and you have to go save them. So, uh, currently it's got tunes, it's got major yes, tunes. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, so it, it, so far, wonderful soundtrack um, and and wonderful score too. I, I like just the the actual uh, music uh, along with the uh, the songs that um, have been going on so far. And uh, you know, it's a it seems to be. I, I'm not as well versed in the genre as as maybe you are, Leon. Uh, but I so far, it's been pretty fun. You know, you just yeah. beat up the people. You can uh, like recruit some enemies to kind of come in and be your uh, just. Uh, like they hop in, do an attack, hop back out. Like assists in in Marvel versus. Yeah, Capcom. exactly. That's what I was looking mm. for. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, I think um, yeah. I think our fr- friend of the show, Mike Diver, uh, gave it his game of the year or or thereabouts. Oh, nice. One of that. So yeah, he's. Um, I'm going to officially, even though there's no point, I'm going to officially add it to our doc. Because, <laughs> Appreciate it. Because it just know, it just made me think of that because you know you you seem to have had oh, a pretty good absolutely. year with uh, with those types of um, yeah I need to play River City games Girls. this year yeah and um, I I uh, like I said I just started it but so far uh, I am enjoying it and um, I will continue. But what's more of a workout, River oh, City boy. Girls or Ring Piece Adventure? Oh God! It's actually called Ring Fit. It is but actually called Ring Fit Adventure. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh boy. Uh, so I was not really expecting that I would pick up Ringfit Adventure. Um, but I decided to do so uh because I uh wanted to uh get a little bit more variety into my workouts. I do not like going to the gym just uh, because no. I it's kind <laughs> of out of the way, you know. I mean I, I don't have I'm not opposed to exercising, at least not all of the time, but uh I have such a long commute that um I I just don't like to add that extra time in there that it takes to get all my stuff and then go out to the gym. Plus people at the gym are frequently jerks. So I I would prefer to be at my own home. So that's why I picked up the stationary bike. And I thought that picking up Ring Fit Adventure would be uh, something that I could kind of add in, you know, for a little bit of variety and and to to make things a little little bit bit of resistance work and a little bit of upper body. Sure. Yeah, it's it's no joke. That is what (laughs) I will tell you. Um, That thing offers resistance, right? Yeah, it is. uh, It is a. it's a serious workout. Um, so Ring Fit Adventure, if you're not familiar with it, um, I, I believe that it's 
technically Pilates. Is that correct? Is that with the uh, with the like resistance? Yeah, the, the 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 ring has definitely been equated to a Pilates ring. I've definitely heard that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it it comes with the game. It comes with a uh, a ring that's I, I don't know, but maybe about the size of a steering wheel, uh, a little bit bigger, um, and a leg strap. So you put one of your uh, Joy Cons into the ring. You put one of your Joy Cons into the leg strap, <laughs> and then strap it to your your yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, the giggling <laughs> intensifies. Um, <laughs> do not purchase this product used. Um, mm. <laughs> HD rumble. <laughs> there is a lot of rumbling going on. You get feedback from these things. You yeah, strap yeah. it to your leg. So when you when you do squats with that thing strapped to your leg, it will rumble to tell you if you're squatting low enough. So I mean, <laughs> it makes it makes sense because you want feedback any that doesn't rely no, on really having to. To contort yourself to look at a screen or anything like that. So it either yeah. needs to be audible or it needs to be, uh, you know, physical, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And it, it's what, what, um, so you, uh, you have this, you have the ring and you have the, uh, the leg strap. And, uh, what you're doing is, uh, it's set up kind of like a, um, uh, you have an overworld with different, um, levels that you will go into. You are making your way through these levels and fighting, uh, monsters along the way. And the way that you fight the monsters is as you gain the experience and level up, you uh, you unlock different exercises and you can uh, it's like six or seven uh, exercises that you can have equipped at any one time. Uh, and you can swap them out uh, pretty much at any time, not within battles. I think you have to do it between levels, but um, you can you can swap them out according to what kind of enemies you're going to face in the uh, in the level. And it'll tell you that up front. It'll be like, okay, well, this one, we recommend that you do uh, red exercises and red exercises focus on your arms. Or we recommend that you do blue exercises and the blue exercises are like focus on your legs. So it's it's very customizable, which is something that I like about it because it's not only customizable in your exercise loadout, it is also customizable in difficulty level or an intensity level mm-hmm. so uh it will ask you every time you come in for a new workout okay was that okay do you want to stick to this level do you want to bring it down a little bit do you want to bring it up a little bit do you want to bring it up a lot um so every time you go in there you can uh you can kind of tell it what you're feeling you know and even if it's just for a day that you need to drop it down because you know you one uh, of those days. Are, are, yes, exactly. One <laughs> yeah, of those yeah. days. You're aching from yesterday. Yeah, for for whatever reason, you you can uh, just have that kind of in your pocket and know that you can just crank it back up. You don't no, have to like earn your way back great. up or whatever. Yeah, that and, sounds really uh, useful. Yeah, it's I I've been finding it. Uh, I've been doing it for I guess a couple of weeks now. Uh, just mixing it in with my with my biking, and uh, I I'm finding it very uh, well. It hurts. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Getting any easier though? Yeah. It, yes. Yes, it is actually. I've I've um. I started it at a pretty low level because basically what it will do to do kind of your initial thing is it'll ask you to uh, to push in on the ring, you know, so it'll gauge your like upper arm strength. It'll ask you how old you are. It'll ask you what your general level of physical activity is. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it will even uh, have you uh, with the IR sensor. Uh, it, it can take your heart rate, which is cool. Um, and, you know, it's it's it gives you tips, which can be. um diet tips or uh physical activity tips and you know it, it's it's very encouraging it has that nintendo like you know you're doing a great job you know it's it's okay yeah. to go a little bit slow if you need to and it's i it's a non-threatening way to get a very good workout i think so far awesome yeah reviews are really kind 83 yeah. open critic score with 77 percent recommended 
So yeah, uh, it's another of Nintendo's slightly weird things that when they yeah. first reviewed it, you go, what? And then it that sort of it. makes sense. That was it. Like I watched the video and, you know, you have like this guy staring at the camera very intensely pumping <laughs> on the ring fit. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't know about this. This, this seems yeah. a little odd. But um, but yeah, I, I, that what sold me on it was that I heard people game. who... Uh, you know, had actually been playing it and saying, yeah, this is really working out for me. You know, it's, it's, and I mean, I, the workouts can be relatively short. I've, I've only been doing like maybe 20 minutes to half an hour at, at a, at a clip, you know, and it'll ask you, you know, do you want to stop and stretch and, and cool down for today or do you want to keep going? So mm. that's another, you know, customizable thing is that it doesn't always have to be exactly the same workout. If you're really feeling it, you can go for a little bit longer or you can uh, back it off a little bit. So, um, it's, it's it's wh- whatever you want it to be, I guess. Mm. The, the switches we fit by all accounts, you know that was yeah, kind of. And I had a, I had a we fit, and this yeah. feels more. This yeah. feels like yeah, yeah. It, it's better. It feels like they've refined it. You know, it feels like this is doing yeah. more. It yeah. tracks you better. It uh, it offers you more to do. Mm. Like the the we fit board was was pretty cool for what it was, but mm. it also could. It's very it's limited, and also there yes. were these weird rules and what you could and couldn't do with the board. Right. Obviously, you know, jumping on it, which makes sense, yes. but it may limits mm. the type of activity you can do, sure. doesn't it? Whereas strapping a joy con to your leg, go nuts as long as that thing doesn't come off your leg. It's, you know. Yeah, exactly, and that's <laughs> and that's it. It's it, it'll ask you at the beginning. You know, uh, you part of what you do to move through these uh, to move through these levels is you're mm-hmm. like jogging in place yeah, uh, sure. but there is also an option if you are living somewhere where like there's if, if you're in an apartment situation where there's people yeah. living below you or you just want it to be quieter or lower you can impact tell it, as well yeah yeah exactly you can uh, I, I haven't done this yet but uh, it it uh, will ask you if you want to do it in quiet mode and what I what I understand is that basically replaces the the running in place with like little mini squats yeah. so you know it's a little bit quieter it gets you that cardio as well but it's a, a little bit of a different thing. So um, I know I keep saying this, but I'm really impressed with how much uh, variety they kind of put in there and how much specialization you can do. Yeah, awesome. I, re- I do recommend it. Yeah, it's it's so far so good. Um, and hopefully I will be able to keep up with it. <laughs> this would usually be the sort of thing I would try and, and probably to be yeah. fair, not necessarily stick to. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I have heard <laughs> that if you have a Switch Lite, it's not necessarily the best. Well, not least of all, because Ooh. you oh, would have to right. buy an extra mm. pair of Joy-Con, which are... 60 pounds themselves yes. plus then 60 pounds for the actual game so it suddenly becomes 120 pounds worth of a game yeah. rather than 60 and then also you're using the small screen on a you know propped mm-hmm. up on a stand or whatever and i've heard people say that just isn't going to be easy to get feedback from mid exercise and stuff so unfortunately yeah. not recommended for those with a switch light but um but that's my own fault i mean i've i've <laughs> taken myself out of the ability to use this uh, this particular yeah. piece of software but. That's okay. I, I I would say that if if you are not uh, exclusively on a switch light, um, it's it it is a little bit more of an outlay because it has uh, the financial outlay because it has the uh, the equipment included. But yeah. from what I have seen so far, it is actually quite quality construction. Like I don't I do not feel like this thing is going to fall apart on me because you know I've been uh, squeezing I've been squeezing the ring. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Now, my assumption when I saw it was that we were going to see either that ring start breaking or people start injuring themselves Ooh. on it. Yeah, and actually, that did cross my mind. I have mm. seen none of that. So Nintendo, yeah. as as usual, Nintendo are on the side of caution and actually seem to have pitched it. Pitched yeah, it, 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 it well. seems it seems like a legit piece of 
exercise equipment. And yeah. and I, this coming from me who has no experience with this type of exercise prior to uh, Ring Fit Adventure. But um, yeah, it seems seems pretty good to me. Could it theoretically ping out from between your thighs and hit someone in the face? Uh, I guess it. it <laughs> so the, the it would be difficult. Um, OK, right. the, uh, the 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 leg strap is um, it kind of loops around and then goes through like a. a uh, um, I don't even know what to call it. Not it's because it's mm. not a ring. Like it goes through a little slot and then velcros to the other side. Yeah, it's like a little. So I guess if you had it, it wraps around. Yeah, I guess if you back, had yeah. it pulled too tight and did something, it could pop open. But um, yeah. it would have to be extremely tight. Okay. <laughs> are, are we done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's mainly why we included Ring Fit Adventure. Yep. I, you're welcome. That was, that was on me. <laughs> uh, and wrapping up with two more kind of retro tribute games from me for this uh, session. They definitely uh, don't Zeno. sound like it, to be honest. Xeno, <laughs> <laughs> or Xeno Crisis, uh, is made by a couple of industry veterans um, whose names I've temporarily forgotten. Well, they're, call they're calling themselves Bitmap Bureau. Um, it's um, Matt Cope and Mike Tucker. They made a game that has come out this year or is, I think, one, one or two of the, the legacy formats is still to be released. But this game was primarily built for Mega Drive, but is also coming out on Dreamcast, <laughs> Neo Geo. Uh, All right. But it's it's also come to uh, contemporary formats in slightly enhanced form. But obviously, among the you know the serious retro market and the collector's market, there is a desire to own this cartridge on the system for which sure. it was originally yeah. developed. Which so they is are, they are putting out physical. Uh... Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the the way that some games have done this in the past is buying mm. up old stocks of cartridges and hollowing them out and refilling yeah. them. Essentially, is is this actually a new run of Mega Drive cartridges? Uh, that's a really I specific question. Yeah, sorry. No, <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, there are there are interviews out there about the process, but I'm I'm not yeah. uh, I'm not fully au fait. What happened with me was so it was a Kickstarter some mm -hmm. years ago, and they've they've made a few. They put out a few bits and bobs, but this was like their big, uh, their big project. Yeah, it's basically they wanted to make a top-down alien syndrome. If anyone's familiar with that, this is a top-down gauntlet-esque uh, shooter um, with aliens. Um, it's got a few contemporary twists. Uh, with a, it's kind of got a uh, a certain amount of procedural generation of the level layout, so you don't always just run through the exact same sequence of rooms every time, and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, tremendous bold pixel art, an absolutely banging soundtrack. Uh, and ironically, I think probably from my point of view, I'm very happy that I'm playing it on PS4 because it, it does operate like a twin stick shooter. Whereas if you play it on the Mega Drive, you Ooh, haven't got a twin stick. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they've, they've, they've thought of everything and they've put in various control mm -hmm. solutions for, for each format, as you would expect. But actually, yeah, there's, a, there's good reasons to, both financial and otherwise to play this on one of the the modern formats if yeah. if you want to support the venture which is as much as anything what I wanted to do mm -hmm. just because um you can again as with the the aforementioned tribute games you can just see the amount of love and work they've put into every single pixel of this game is just it's on show for all to see uh it's uh, incredibly tight and snappy shooting they've put in one slightly controversial but I actually think it does make sense mechanic which is that you run out of bullets a lot okay. every time you run out of bullets a new ammo pack will appear somewhere on the screen and you have to go and grab it so i think the idea is that it keeps you moving yes yeah, a little um, mini game to, to keep you yeah in, in the game yeah 
Makes sense. Stops you relying on stuff. But you've also got grenades. You've got a dodge roll and uh, and all this other stuff. Uh, I think there's five, maybe, or six distinct areas, each with a boss, um, learnable bosses. Actually, once the game's pretty tough, mm-hmm. but once you get practiced at it, you can really race through the early levels. There are There's a score attack mode as well. I'm not sure about... I think it does measure your time too. So, yeah, there's a kind of time attack and it... it yeah, uh, there's um, dog tags which you collect to power power yourself up at the end of levels, and you can add more uh, hit points, effectively more hearts and lives. Uh, yeah, and it's it's just another yeah, like all the ones I've spoken about so far, but in a different genre. It's another sort of retro revival, and um, again, I don't I have like I've hardly even seen any reviews of it, let alone people talking about it as a game to play. And I do understand that. You know, I go on about this stuff, but it is a bit niche being all about the, the, the games that look like games from the past. But there's enough of them to make me think that there is, <laughs> they're popular. Um, but yet when you sometimes get these gems, there seems to be a lack of conversation about them, especially if they've, I think maybe it's when they've got like all the ones I've spoken about apart from Ninja Warriors, Ninja Saviors, they're all new names, aren't they? So they've got, they've got nothing to, They've got no familiarity to work off. Whereas when people say Streets of Rage or Shenmue, for example, people go, yep, I know what that is. So, yeah, again, recommend to people who like games of a vintage to check out Xeno Crisis. And finally, this one's very new and I've not spent much time with it at all. But it's it's another interesting one because it is a modern game that was made for, uh, I think it was Dreamcast and Neo Geo in this case, came out in 2012 has latterly made its way over to PS4 and probably other formats too. Gunlord, as it was, now Gunlord X. I, I mean, love that you, name. That's a great you name. You can't <laughs> knock that name, can you? Uh, it's a Turrican tribute, purely. Um, it is a, uh, a prettier, tighter, modern Turrican-style game. It doesn't have a Chris Hulsbeck soundtrack. And forgive me, I can't remember the name of the composer, but it does have a soundtrack that sounds like uh, Chris Hulsbeck. So it's got your sort of epic Tangerine Dream-style synth uh, orchestra, sort of 80s-style, 80s, 90s-style driving sci-fi music. And um, yeah, again, much like all the others I've mentioned, otherwise I wouldn't be recommending them. It's very, very tight. You know, it's got, yeah. it understands what makes, what made those games appealing, but also doesn't fall into the trap of just completely aping everything about 80s and 90s design. And it just makes a few sensitive little tweaks to make things a bit more compelling and enjoyable for a contemporary audience. And you've got, you know, your modern bells and whistles like trophies and stuff like that. And I think every game I've mentioned in this sort of retro revival sphere has got various CRT style filters and stuff like that, if that's your bag. So some some better than others. But, you know, if if that's uh, if that's what tickles you, those options are there, too. So, or, yeah, this or just as was reiterated this year. Hook your modern console up to a CRT if you've got access to absolutely. one and it will actually yeah. look amazing. Yeah. Or, yeah, and do that with modern games. I mean, that's yeah. the thing that, that really struck me this year was was uh, Digital Foundry, John Letterman, yeah. talking about playing Control on a high-end PC and maxing everything out, but playing it on a CRT monitor at a relatively low resolution. And just because of the way CRT looks and because of the fact that you can, if the, if you, if you crank drop the resolution, the resolution down, yeah, yeah. you can fire everything else to insane values. It can actually make some games, such as Control was the one they highlighted, look genuinely mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, with, when, when you take pixelation and kind of pixel fuzziness yeah, out, of the, out of the picture, exactly. it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you've got room to fit a CRT monitor <laughs> oh, gosh. that goes back 18 yeah, feet. I remember breaking your back with those. 
20 years yeah. ago. <laughs> uh, but it's good for people who have got a, you know, a, a, a home in which they stay residing. Um, yeah. And, 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 and we not, know what you meant, so... Leon, but that, yeah, that was yes, a weird that sentence. Was, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, we do. Not an itinerant... Um, absolutely. A long-standing uh, home with a, rent a, yeah, a room that <laughs> yeah. can occupy a CRT. Yeah. Precisely. Um, so yeah, that one just, uh, Gunlord X just kind of crept out. I wasn't ready for it, expecting it. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, hang on, this looks, I saw the name, I saw the art, I saw the screenshots. I was like, wait a, wait a minute. Um, so I had to investigate it. And then it took me about two minutes to click on buy now, please. And, with uh, so with a game is. like this, are, are there ever times mm. when you see, say, a screenshot or a YouTube clip before you've clocked the name and think, I've already played this. I must have already played this game. <laughs> you know, because they're going, as you say, the the yeah. love and nostalgia for these old well-known titles is such that they really do go overboard on trying to not ape, but certainly evoke that sort of uh, feeling and aesthetic. Although it's got harder over the years because there are more and more and more games and I'm getting older and older and older, yeah. I still do have, I would say... If I, if I can be, if I can praise myself in a weird, nerdy way, I do have a, an almost supernatural ability to identify games from very small amounts of pixels. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I think that is because that I, I don't know that because I've just been so into it yeah. for so yeah. long. Like my, I recognise actual, you know, kind of individual sprites and textures yeah, and backdrops yeah. from different games. And yes, it's definitely not there was a point where I, I could I would have backed myself if you'd given me fifty and in fact magazines used to do this. Yeah, like yeah. close ups of, of screenshots Parts and say identify the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I would back myself to get most of them, but now I think it would be a lot harder. Yeah, it's probably fair to say. But generally yeah, if you show me a screenshot of Gunlord X, what happens is I go, okay, I see what they're doing there. That's meant to look like that kind yeah, of thing. yeah pick yeah. apart all the the influences yeah yeah, yeah. So, so there we have it it's been me, a lot of me waffling but i hope uh, <laughs> you all got something out of it absolutely as well. a couple and of games there that, that are definitely on my pieces. list to look yeah. out for yeah yeah, yeah we got to talk about vr and fitness and retro games and yeah it's been a lot of fun spread over <laughs> eight days or whatever it is <laughs> Uh, so, yes, I think there's still one session to go in this, session five. Uh, so I'll hand back over. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, James, by the way. Thank you. I'll hand back yeah. over to me and Ryan, I think, before we conclude this year's ridiculous undertaking. Happy See New Year, all. everyone. Yes, yeah. indeed. Nice and There we have it. Nice to get a good short one in there, huh? <laughs> you're, you're, you're gambling by, by saying that. I am. I live dangerously. You can cut that out when it's, when it's <laughs> gone three hours uh, or more. But no, it probably won't because I'm recording it on a Sunday night. It's a work night for all of us, so uh, I imagine we'll, we'll, get, we'll get that home and hosed in a sensible amount of time. Hopefully, listener, whenever you're listening to this, at some point in the year 2020, who knows, you're still enjoying this and thinking, why didn't I play that game from 2019? Perhaps now it's on Game Pass or the Epic Store for free. I should give it a go, for example. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great review, not only of the things that have come before, but things that are uh, still available. If they sound interesting, just hop in there, unless you want to play Devotion, in which case, sorry, but all the other games, good to go. Go, and uh, they're probably cheaper now than they were at launch. So we hope we've turned some people onto some cool stuff. Consumer service. So we got one more? Is that what you're saying? Yep. Wow. Okay. Uh, Well, another daily drop tomorrow. Tune back in for the grand finale.